tall grass. Wish I had a pilot and a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable speakers playing bars. Hello, cats and kittens. I'm sorry about that. Sometimes road podcaster device decides this was going to turn it off and on again. And um, what baby wants, baby gets. So here we are, just a few minutes delayed. Thank you for your patience. We have a rip-roaring episode of Bad Faith to talk about today. One of my all-time favorite subjects, dating on the left. Feel free to hold your applause for the title of this episode, Marks and Singles. (laughs) You know, I thought to myself, I can't top men are from Marks, you know, and I can't top Swipe Left as the title for a leftist episode. So I almost wasn't going to try it. I was going to say, let's let's do the Knives Out titling theory. Knives Out, Glass Onion, Knives Out. Like, let me just formalize it so people know that these are in a series. But then it just came to me in the middle of the football. Marks and Singles. <laughs> Living Singles was a runner-up, uh, but maybe that'll be the next one. At any rate... I was so thrilled with the panel that came together. I can't believe we got one of the best YouTube essayists out there, FD Signifier, who also has the distinction of actually being married and in a healthy relationship. So plaudits to him for grounding the conversation a little bit. Um, and additionally, a fan favorite, Olaimi Olerin, brought the energy, brought the stories, and not to be outmatched. We had another Leo in the group, (laughs) Jason Miles, who had no compunctions about spilling all the tea and getting vulnerable in the best ways. We might be joined by some people uh, from the panel today. So if you see them in the chat and I've missed them, flag them for me and I will bring them up as speakers. Of course, we were also joined by the hardest working woman on the left, my favorite person to podcast co-host, shoot the shit with Katie Halper. Um, and it was just, it was just, uh, just a fire. It was just so much fun. I, we could have stayed on there for another two hours. I know. So let me just make sure that all the people who I said maybe uh, would be joining have the link, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And let's start bringing people up. Serene, what's on your mind tonight? Hello. Can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. What's on your mind? So, great episode. Love the series. <laughs> um, I do want to sort of be on the side of Jason a little bit because, okay, so first of all, there were several threads I connected with. The media representation thing trickling down to the, like, beauty standards Mm -hmm. acceptability thing, I feel super hard, and I just want to give a shout-out to, I guess, you and my girl Issa Rae for doing wonders for black women being into Asian men (laughs) because I feel like... Issa in particular, like she depicted it on Insecure. I think she tweeted about it, maybe in jest, but I don't really remember. And then she was also in that movie with Kumail. And, you know, Kumail. Oh, right, I forgot about that one. I didn't see it, but, you know, good for him. He's like jacked and hot now and <laughs> yay. <laughs> yeah. But the- uh, yeah, he, um, I, look, I'm not trying to like reverse, obviously, <laughs> fetishize anybody. I know you're not either. Um, 
but yeah, like I've always had a certain degree of, I have, I have empathy with other groups that are not validated by the media, Asian men being one of them, at least in the United States, although that is changing, not yeah. just Issa Rae, but you know, the popularity of K-pop and like, you can't turn on any of these teen drama shows like Archie or whatever without seeing some cute little biscuit. And I can say that because they're all played by like 35 year olds. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, and it's, it's lovely to see. Yeah, for sure. I think it, I think it uh, probably is doing wonders for the younger generation. Um, I I wanted to say I felt for Jason because I too, uh, I was like I'm an Indian guy who grew up in rock bands and stuff like you know in the '90s like grunge and alternative and stuff mm-hmm. and that is a very white milieu. It's definitely changed a lot now and like. You know, social media has changed everything, and now there's like so many cool people of color, musicians, and everywhere and stuff. But like, I really felt for him because it's like. And then the other thing I wanted to say is like, when you're shy as a guy, um, whether it's some combination of low self-esteem or just like looking at other aggressive, you know, player type dudes and not mm-hmm. wanting to like hit on everything that moves, like numbers game thing, it's like the white people end up being the boldest sometimes. And I'm someone who needs a girl to be like super fucking obvious. She's into me. And so sometimes those two create this impasse where if someone's like, not like super obvious and just, we can speculate why, but a lot of times white people be bold and they will let you know that you're into them or or they're into you or whatever. And like, that's just what happens. And so, now I don't know. I don't know. Where let me are. let me ask you this: <clears throat> Are you was your last partner from the the grunge um, musical scene? No, your most she, recent partner. No, she was a writer. Uh, we met on Tinder actually in 2014 at the start and, of. Tinder. And they ask if she w- was white. She was white and Puerto Rican. Okay. So mostly white. She grew up on Long Island. All right. It was a white, it was a white world. That's a new one for me, Puerto Rican. Yeah. So, okay. So maybe you see where I'm going with this. Yeah. Where on one hand, you're saying the reason that you end up, maybe you didn't say disproportionately, but you have in the past ended up with white partners is because you were very into a scene that was very white. But you're also telling me that your last white partner or mostly white partner was not in fact from that scene. And I, I kind of hear this a lot, right? You know, and plenty of women of various demographics are interested in niche cultures. I was a Trekkie and an acapella nerd and <laughs> all kinds of things under the sun. Yeah. Which are not over in which spheres in which black men are not in any way overrepresented. But somehow <laughs> I didn't find myself, you know, dating only within my hobbies. And it seems like you're not dating exclusively within your hobby or your interest areas either. And in fact, those people are still that you're partnering with still end up being white, at least some of the time. So, tell, I mean, do you really feel like that's the reason? No, I'm just. I mean, this is like I was. I just. I guess I related more to his origin story. Like, definitely everything's changed since then. I mean, we that partner we got together in 2014 and ended in 2019. So. I feel like I've done a lot of growth and maybe many men of color have too. Mm -hmm. And like sort of 
you know, I, I hear all the time from like, not just Indian dude friends, but like all kinds of men of color friends, just like, I, you know, we really like, there's like a decolonizing of your mind almost that has to occur where you're like, wait, am I, it's a lot of the stuff you guys were talking about in the episode, really. It's just like, where did this quote unquote preference come from? Am I just repeating a pattern? Am I, you know, just in my case, honestly, it's like, what is right in front of me? Like I, I, that's part of the growth, which is being like, Hey, you've got it going on. Like you don't need some girl to just like literally throw herself at you to like <laughs> give her, you know, talk to someone at a party or, mm -hmm. or in my case, like I've gotten around it or tried to by being a DJ and like having good events and stuff like that. So like I take some of that pressure off myself and you know, whatever, but mm -hmm. that has mm -hmm. mixed results. But I'm saying like, yeah, it, it it's hard to tell what came first but i i take your point that these things do you know replicate trickle down reinforce themselves maybe like in the past i was like more surrounded by white women and that that was more of a thing but then you know years later when that's not necessarily the case but i'm i guess my point was like the boldness of people approaching you and like i feel like there's a sometimes a tendency with straight women to be like oh you guys are having you have all the agency and the power so whoever you end up dating is purely a function of who you hit on it's like i've been in so many indian women dms and gotten nothing well, look, I'm not, I'm not putting that all on you either because I've ha I have enough Indian girlfriends to know that this is a two-way street. Yeah. I don't know what's going on in other people's communities, and I'm not here to opine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have had enough girlfriends of South and East Asian descent say things to me along the lines of, I am not attracted to so-and-so. They remind me of my brother, my right. uncle, my dad, et cetera. And it makes me insane because <laughs> I – like to the extent that people meet people at work – where at, when I'm at work and I'm at a law firm, I have never once in my life had a black coworker, a black male coworker. Never once in my entire life at, in a legal context and barely outside of that. Like there were no black men at the intercept and there, there were a handful of black men in the Bernie campaign, but they were like children. They were yeah. like 22 year olds in the video department. Okay. So <laughs> like I, I, the idea that I, I would, I would go to work. I meet these, attractive accomplished men i work with this one tall handsome motorcycle riding south asian dude who first went to med school said he didn't like it went to law school he was an ip lawyer he was so cute and i tried to set him up with one of my girlfriends and she takes one look at him and goes oh like no he seems like family yeah I'm like, that's what is a... wrong with you and then she married well i won't get into who she ends up with but like <laughs> like I... someone who was he was a lovely guy, but like nowhere near as handsome or accomplished as this guy was. And this guy was also really sweet and kind and like nice. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole thing with not with I that the Asian diaspora, you know, and, and it's funny because then you'll see, I think, rightfully a lot of black people be like, well, you know, Asian people in this country tend to side to the extent you can like fully pick a side like side with white people white supremacy and stuff like that and it's like i think all these things end up being connected like yeah but there's definitely a thing where like 
it's not it to me it was never like explicitly stated but among asian people there's such a meme and a stigma and a thing about oh she went off and dated some white guy or he date, dated some white girl like it's like it's a thing yeah i mean one other thing i specifically hear um from some specifically mostly south asian but some of my east asian friends as well is this idea that like they anticipate that if they get with another person from their own ethnic background, that they are going to be culturally conservative. And this is like similar to your point about, oh, well, I like rock bands. Are they going to like rock? Or sorry, I'm, I'm, that's not the kind of music you said. But I, I like this cool alternative music and they're not going to be into that. Or they're not, you know, they might not, they, they'd be more traditional or less likely to be into that scene because it's a white dominated scene. There's a version of it, especially with women, I think, where they're like, well, I don't want to be in a traditional marriage. I don't want to be in a traditional relationship. And if I marry a Desi guy, if I marry an East Asian guy, then they're going to have certain expect cultural expectations. Yeah. The family is going to have certain cultural expectations of me, and I don't want that, which may be fair to a certain extent. But my rejoinder to them is you are not culturally conservative, and you are from that place. <laughs> right. So and that's, what I, mean, that's exist, what I mean about now. <laughs> now, I mean – I'm actually, despite everything that's happened, I'm actually glad to be single now in a way because, like I said, you do see more quote-unquote alternative South Asian types like me on online and, you know, among, and also just like gaining cultural clout or whatever you want, you know, mm -hmm. like, so that's that's all cool. And, uh, but yeah, the, it's you, you're exactly right about that calculation early on, which is like, the which sidebar it's funny because i grew up in houston in a very multicultural neighborhood and I, mm -hmm. when i was in houston i the only relationships i really had were with indian girls but even them at the time would be like oh you're not like the other dudes like you you play guitar and you have long hair or, you know whatever mm -hmm. superficial things but like yeah yeah i look and i i i i, I understand that that could be like a flag, but like I'm look I'm I'm Black American. Most Black guys that I go to try to date, they come from Christian families. They come from mm. the kind of families who are going to ask what kind of church I go to. They might not, you know, want the dog on the well. I don't really want the dog on the couch either. But they I like the dog <laughs> in the bed, and they don't want really want that. I mean, there are all kind of cultural differences that exist between me and the average Black American. There's ever there's differences that exist between me and everyone because I've had a weird life. You know, and what am I going to do? Wait around until I find someone else who spent like half their childhood at international schools? And like, are we playing? Are we playing yeah. a game of um? What what's the the kids game where you're trying to match the two like faces and you like flip them down? Oh, it's, it's, guess it's who? Not, guess who? Yeah, we're not playing guess who. Where I'm trying to find like identical yeah. someone identical to me. <laughs> and this is all leaving out the thing like so you might. I know I get a kick out of like, I mean, there's a fine line to if you go too far into tokenism but it's nice being able to like share things with people to de depending on what it is but like i've had a, i've gotten a lot of joy about out of like oh this is what this is what my world's like and you know i feel like maybe i'm done like similar to ole like i'm done ex choosing white people to explain that to because it tends to be one-sided. Like I would much prefer at this point for it to be an exchange. Like, you know, I teach you about Indian bit, you teach me about whatever. Like, you, you say you prefer for it to be an exchange than a 
than a one than a one-sided white thing like i don't i'm i'm i've done it enough where it's just me explaining indian shit to white girls yeah and i'm more interested in us both explaining a different culture to each other or yeah i I will say that i had a very pleasant completely at least from a racial perspective seamless time dating a chinese american man like there was really no cultural issue none yeah it was more seamless than certain black guys i've dated who were Black and Canadian and, and Caribbean Canadian, there were cultural differences because the parents were more conservative and Caribbean and also not American. <clears throat> I mean, like Canadian as opposed to American Caribbean. Yeah. Um, I've had cultural differences with, you know, traditional black American guys who had kind of bourgeois families with bourgeois politics the way Jason was talking about. And as bourgeois, as frankly, my pedigree is, I still didn't feel like I measured up for various reasons, including what I perceive to be colorism, though I don't know that that's necessarily fair to me, for me to put on them without them being able to defend themselves. But, you know, all of that, like, so you can't, you cannot predict it. I would also say, however, <laughs> that I, for example, watched the Super Bowl with a lovely group of uh, white people. Yeah. And I had the experience of, well, no one knew who Babyface was. What? And I was like, <laughs> I and bet they two, knew who Chris Stapleton was. Well, they did. They're not those kind of white people. Okay. So they didn't know who these people were. <laughs> okay. um, but, they, but they also, like, you know, like, didn't really know what was happening with the Black National Anthem. And I was like, well, if I were home with my mom, I was, like, texting my mom. Because we would have been talking about Shirley Ralph and her outfit. Yeah. And, like, if she's really singing in the octave, that's best for her. And we would have been singing along. <laughs> and, you know, we would have been talking about Babyface. And I would have felt comfortable enough to critique his vocal quality, which I wasn't about to do in front of these white people. Like, <laughs> you know, like, it's just a different, like, you win, you, get, you gain some, you lose some, right? Yeah. Um, and so the idea that people are like, I have this preference, like, you can't possibly know what you're getting with any given person. No. And that's the part of it that I react to. Not that, like, it's just, there's no, like, the idea that you're going to reduce the experience of being with another person to what you think is an aesthetic preference. I yeah. don't know, man. It seems like there's some other stuff going on there. No, I fully agree. And that's why I think there has been a great, I've observed a great mind decolonization among my friends of color yeah just like even just asking openly like should we be dating white people at all <laughs> i mean well that's the other thing that interracial is dating love. is always described as being like white and other in a way that's yeah that's annoying too yeah which yeah. yeah i yeah i i don't have a ton of experience outside of uh the chinese american i did date a puerto rican guy briefly and we never got far enough to like meet family and so i guess i met his brother Oh, the brother sings the intro to this song, LOL. Um, But But I, you know, like, again, I mean, he was close and I felt, I don't know, he was close enough to being black that it wasn't an issue. (laughs) His brother was black, like, whatever. (laughs) Um, Anyway, this has been great. You were a great first caller because you got a lot of important issues out on the table, Serene. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Uh, all right, I'm gonna hop around a little bit. You know how I do. One from the front, one from the middle, one from the front, one from the middle. Chris Brown, you had a lot to say on the internet, so I'm gonna go ahead and call you up. What's on your mind tonight? Also, why is my volume? Can you guys hear me? Okay, I feel like my volume. Yeah, I can hear you good. I can hear you good. Okay, great. Uh, yeah. Um, I just had, you know, I just had some a couple of opinions. Um, one, um, my man with the mustache, man, yo. 
I honestly don't understand how he he was able to get that stuff off and get all and not get none of the smoke that I think Alani is getting right now. Like I, I, I mean, I mean, I date um, all my baby mamas are Filipino, so my kids got good hair. I, I, but Olami just talking about one terrible experience about dating a demon and her thing. I just, I, I mean. Hey, it's to each his own, and I don't know though. But like, I feel like there was one person who deserved all the smoke, and who's probably going, who's probably messing up a lot of y'all DMs that's on that show. So <laughs> that's just that's that that's that's what we want. But I also I, I wanted to kind of like get into like I don't know y'all was talking about like interracial dating, and then I know he kind of went in a little bit in his spiel about um. I guess why he hasn't found the um why he took well he typically dates outside of his race and then like I know you brought this up the last time on the dating thing about like I think sometimes men fall too much into the idea of comfortability so mm-hmm. it's like oh I'm this guy and I feel weird and well you know yeah I'm this guy and I like such and such and such and I don't think black women are attracted to me so I just date what I date that's right and I think sometimes men fall well men are just a little too close like or, well they're they're too in they're, they're too not trying to come out of the shell when it comes to that because there are black women who like the same stuff you like there's such things as black nerds and everything and it's like mm-hmm. are you actively trying to be in these spaces or trying to find those kind of spaces where well, you, you could be a black trucker and are yes. you even pursuing some of these exactly. white spaces because you actually don't really want to be around black people <laughs> so that and that could be literally that could be the thing too though but like i think that's i do think that's big and it's like it's not to like call no one out though but like i do feel as though it's like that's too much of an excuse now Mm-hmm. for for why you are t- why, well, why you are dating outside of your race and like i said there to me personally there is no problem i've dated outside of my race um i've um yeah i've dated white women i've dated uh spanish women and stuff like that so it's like it, it all is like kind of towards like uh, to each his own though but like i think i know another thing you guys did hit on is the idea of like uh like people who are like the idea of preference and like types and stuff and i'm like i'm kind of glad you guys did and and i think you guys did that really well because i do think sometimes like what happens i'll say more so in like in the black community is is like um if you do see a black person typically a black man dating outside of his race the first thing is to do is to try to project some kind of like oh he's insecure or he has issues and problems and everything like that and that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily always the case and i think you Olay, and uh yeah you and Olay, and i know because Olay said some stuff on twitter about that kind of stuff too with the uh, who's the new buff dude that y'all like now uh what's his name he's in the mike uh the michael b jordan movie um oh the, yeah uh, all the girls are liking and yeah. they started yeah they started coming at him because From i guess the they show found with out jesse girl. smollett's sister yeah 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 oh uh, yeah um shit what is that show called the one um, with the tentacles hp yeah. lovecraft yeah 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 lovecraft and stuff oh lovecraft but, country yeah yeah, because I do feel as though, like, like I guess guys having a preference and stuff give really a bad rep. Because, unfortunately, like, the face of that kind of stuff is that that trash-ass uh, fucking um, chef who was, like, shitting, like, who made it a thing to, like, comment on darker-skinned women and stuff like that. And, like, that's kind of, like, the face of, like, preferences and stuff like that. But, like, you should, like, um like, it's okay to have preferences as long as it's not exclusionary. And I think that... That, and unfortunately, like I said, I'm a black man, so I definitely do know those black men who exclusively date outside a race and just have a lot of negative opinions when it comes to black women and stuff like that. So I'm not going to sit here and lie to that. But there are also men who just like, you know, 
they they casually like just casually dating and then you know hey a white girl comes through or anyone else though and it's like you you got to give people i guess a little bit more grace and credit i would say i think that's right and i think you know i'll one has to resist whatever temptation to drop to what draw draw whatever conclusions you see you jump to rather when you see people because one couple is not responsible for a pattern or a trend exactly of course, obviously exactly. Mm-hmm. however <laughs> sometimes you scratch an individual and you find a pattern <laughs> yeah and that's a big thing i would say with you is, yeah as far as like the idea of a pattern or something or an idea of like a type and like like for me typically i typically date like um well my preference uh yeah my preference or my type is actually uh darker complected women so it's it's even my complexion or a little bit darker. I kind of like more of the Afro aesthetics when it comes to a girl, but like, mm-hmm. I'm not exclusory of it. And like, I'm dating someone now. She's actually mixed race. And it's like, it's kind of been like a whole, like, it's been a process. And it was like, and it's kind of interesting because like, she said something to me like um on our last date. And I don't know how I like necessarily feel about it, but she like, she said though, she typically the, the men she date and she pretty much exclusively date black men though. But they always they always preferred white women mm-hmm. and like me and then the last guy she was like it's like it was like the complete opposite so i asked her i'm like do that make you feel some kind of way and she was like honestly no not really because i've never really had to compete with black women and i don't know it was something about the word compete mm-hmm. that kind of just it, it's it, it did throw me off and i'm like i didn't like press on it but i'm still kind of that just made me feel a little weird i was like oh okay yeah <laughs> Opinions, Brie? Opinions? You know, you know. You can talk. You can talk. People are going to say what they're going to say. <laughs> and, you know, people are going to tolerate what they're going to tolerate and have feelings how they're going to have their feelings. I don't know. I don't <laughs> oh, to tell so you. Yeah, you uh, look, all I'll say is that I feel mm-hmm. like... Um... <sighs> It's okay, Brie. There okay. has been, I have experienced, let me not generalize. Yeah. I have experienced some nonsense of a, bina- of a biracial nature <laughs> <laughs> from some biracial people in my life. Mm. Not, hashtag not all mixed race people. <laughs> yes, not all, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's like the society tells them that they're the best version of whatever race they're mixed with. Ah, yeah. And they, in turn, like, how many people when Obama became president were walking around talking about, I am the future! I'm gonna, my existence oh my is gonna God, solve racism! My parents oh, yeah. fucked and now the oh, world yeah, is going oh, yeah. to heal! Piss, piss a racist <laughs> off. Date outside of your, yeah, interracially date. Yeah, that that stuff like somehow is that the idea of racial limit, or if we just combined our blood and we create this <laughs> uniform brown tone that somehow racism is going to die. Like, come on, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, Jesus, yeah, I remember. And it, it is tough. Like I was saying to Ole, the man who said to me some nonsense about, "Oh, I don't normally date black girls, but your features oh, aren't so too weird. black." That wasn't biracial man who was in the Federalist Society, <laughs> conservative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, ugh. That was I on thought, me, though. I shouldn't have got out with them. <laughs> yeah, though, but, like, I, I just, it is the idea of, like, and I, like, we're talking black now. So, like, the idea of, like, black men who are just openly against it. Like, you could just, like, date your white women in peace. You don't, you don't got to involve right. everybody into your, your, like, your whole weirdo thing. And I've actually had, like, situations where I'm, like, um, 
where I have I have dated white women who like it's been this like really weird thing to happen. So I can talk about like two situations. One was in um I was dating this girl. We met and everything like that. Um, we was hanging out, chilling. We went out. Uh, so we went out this one particular night, and um, you know, I'm just thinking it's a good night, whatever. We're not. We go back to her house. You know, adult things happen, and then mm-hmm. we're laying. In, yeah, and we're laying in bed, and it's like she was like, "Hey, so did you see those group of girls looking at us?" And I was like, "No." Like, what are you talking? About? Yeah, and she's like, "Yeah, there was these. Uh, it was this group of girls. Um, they were black, and they were like staring at us." And I was like. Oh, no, nah, I didn't even realize that. And she was like, yeah, I think that's kind of interesting. I kind of like that. And I'm like, yikes. I kind of liked that? So, she- yes. And th- like, I'm, and I'm, I'm saying this, this is the God honest truth. This is like, that's literally. So I'm like, wait, are you, so you like the idea that black women are staring at us because we're in a, in a, yeah, I don't know. And I felt like, um, I don't know if you ever saw like that, um, the, um, um, Issa show uh, Insecure though but like that it was this one scene in particular where the guy Lawrence like hooks up with these two white girls and then it's mm-hmm. like he like blows his load and everything like that and then it's like um, they're like well I'm expecting more from you and then they, mm-hmm. they yeah and he just and I think he starts to feel like so am I just like arm candy I kind of felt like that and mm-hmm. I had another situation s- somewhat similar to that and that's kind of where I was like yeah this is just weird now and I just eh, yeah no nah. yeah I, I feel like, look I again, this is this is these are generalizations, and it doesn't apply to you. It's not about you. Yeah, it does. Yeah, exactly. This is but just my life. This isn't anybody. So don't get offended. My perception is part of the thing that I think some black women are frustrated with when they see black men date white women. It's not just jealousy. I think calling it jealousy, it it it's, it's yeah. over an oversimplification. What it is, and I I sense this. I hear people say things like this. I experience it. This, it's this feeling that a certain kind of white woman thinks that they are better than black women yes, and is like gloating. Like they like to, like your biracial uh, friend said, yeah. like they don't have to compete with black women. They think, of course I would be the natural choice of black. If black men had the opportunity, they would pick me. This is validating my superiority. And a lot of white, white women who might not have such a great dating record with white guys mm-hmm. get validated by these black men who are projecting their own insecurities over all of it and want children with good hair, whatever nonsense, self-hating mm-hmm. Yeah. there is and so there's this symbiotic relationship b- between them and they're nursing each other's insecurities and acting like that is like neutral and not fucked <laughs> and then try to project onto black women that they're the ones with the problem because i think that we're more sensitive to the idea of being fetishized and we don't like it yeah and that's, there's a certain kind of black not all black hashtag not all black men but some Absolutely. black men do like yeah. it yeah yeah, no, trust me, I, and that's why I say like I'll never like discredit or like when um when that con- when that conversation starts to come up and you start to con- when you see like black women kind of responding to it, it's like no, I know that exists. I'm not going to sit here and try to lie to them because I do know like black men who love dating white or date the bottom barrel of white women, but then have all the shit in the world to say about black women. And it's like, and it's, uh, and it's, 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 it's weird. I try to check it or I call that out, but wait, like it's still just like I know that exists and it's not. I guess, like, when when it comes back to, like, the idea of preference, like, of course, obviously not all people are like that, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend, like, I'll probably say, like, 60, maybe 70% of, actually, I'll, I'll go 60, 60% of black men who date outside their race probably got an issue with their blackness or at least oh he's black. putting numbers on it see that's yeah, i'm gonna put numbers on it so 
it's, I think the majority you give them grace, but I I know like and it's like exclusively. That's the big thing. It's if you exclusively date white women, I yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I always ask, you know, when I go out with someone who's not black, I mm-hmm. ask them, like, how often do you date someone who's whatever you are? Yeah. And there are a lot of squirrely answers that come back. Because yeah. what I don't want is I don't want to be the beneficiary Egg. of somebody's yep. self-hate. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you're Jewish and you never date Jewish women? You're Asian and you never date Asian women? And yeah, I'm in a company, but yeah, that's weird. I don't care what nobody say. I just think that is so weird. And the idea that your excuse is that, oh, he feels like my family. I don't know. That's just some weird shit. That's, that's weird. A, yeah, it's so weird. That's, yeah. That is the most tired thing. That's the reddest of red flags I ever heard in my life. Exactly. Exactly. Like, no, that's just some creepy old weird. Because why do you think that's fa- like the idea of something? I would never date a black woman and think, yo, that's my sister. That's why I can't. That's, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's, that's insane. There's an entire ass con- continent of black people. And you think that my brother, my father looks like all of those. Yeah. Let me yeah, know. It's, yeah, it's, yeah it's so, <laughs> but, um, yeah, not nah, typically it, if, if I yeah. ever would, if I, well, um, I'm not like exclusive to like I say, I wouldn't, I won't never say I will count a white woman out though, but the one thing that's going to have to be Nate, she has to date white men. It can't just be, mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm literally done with the idea of like white women who only date black men. Cause it's just weird. It's just weird to me. And then like, you got to be able to be a white person. I, you don't start talking Ebonics around my crew. <laughs> my fam. The second you start getting a little slang in your voice, knowing you like the, you, you from fucking bum fuck nowhere, but then you got slang all of a sudden. Yeah. Nah, that's not I, that, all that stuff is kind of like dead to me, but yeah, nah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you, Chris. I don't know. I can't. I can't commit to that sixty percent number because I'm not trying to go down over that. But uh, like, I'm with okay. you in spirit. Whatever the number is, wink, wink. We we know what it is. <laughs> yeah. I, hey, I, 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 just being honest, and this is my POV. My POV is just one person <laughs> out of a billion people on this on this planet. So yeah, take it for what you are. Lol. Well, thanks for calling in, Chris. This has been great. No problem. Keep the vape. All right, Rex, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, so glad I made it through. I feel very proud that I was at the front of the line this time. Oh, I'm, I'm happy for you, Rex. I'm uh, happy last time for I you. In, yeah, last time I called in, I had been drinking a few hard seltzers. Tonight, I have milk and cookies. So <laughs> different, different vibe. All right, his mind is in it. He's in the game. He's focused. Yes, yes, yes. But no, this. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for doing this show. I feel like this is like... A safe, not just a safe place, but like people can, I want other people's feedback to hear this in the queue. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about some observations I've seen dating. Okay. So I'm from Wisconsin. I'm 31 years old. I'm white. I'm over six foot one and I have a beard. That's my okay. demographic. Um, but I have noticed that it seems like, you know, people want, like women want more progressive they like you see like no trump supporters mm-hmm. or like you know didn't vote for trump on the dating apps i i've i've been single for two years now i have hinge and tinder i prefer hinge over mm-hmm. the two um and the i had a photo back in the day of me and bernie that got me a lot of matches like <laughs> earlier um but every once in a while i'll see you know far leftist or socialist or communist even on the dating apps and I'm always like, swipe right. Like, we agree on this much. You know, if, if, even if it doesn't come to dating, I feel like we're going to have stuff to talk about. It's someone worth knowing in the general vicinity. 
mm-hmm. that's bold enough to put communist in a dating profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on Hinge, you're able to actually like comment. Oh, hold on. That was an alarm, so I wouldn't miss this uh, this show. <laughs> um, on Hinge, you're able to comment on things in the profile. And so mm-hmm. I would always comment like, hey, I totally agree. Or like, hey, this is really, really nice to see you say this kind of thing. And a lot of the time we would match and that would be it. It would just sit there. I'd ask them some kind of question and never hear from them. Other times we'd chit chat here and there. And then it's just like over or like I never, I've literally never okay. gotten a phone number or a, um, I've never gotten a phone number. I've never met anyone that was like far leftist, socialist, communist that put it on a dating app. That's my first observation, and it's okay. not about any one well, person. Hold on to your next one. I've got very clear, short, simple advice on this one. Mm-hmm. My experience on the apps is that apparently some women need a lot of back and forth before they want to. They feel comfortable enough to go on the date. There's no helping those women. Put them to the side. There's some women who are just on there and never want to actually meet people. There's nothing anybody can do about them, so put them to the side. There's mm-hmm. another category of woman who very much wants to go on a real date, but who is exhausted by the prospect of messaging all day. I'm describing myself. Who mm-hmm. is busy and has other things to do and wants to immediately jump to, we matched, when are we going out? Because apart from finding out that we can spell, you know, oh, can you spell this sentence at me and I can spell this sentence at you? We're not learning anything else from each other after we matched. So let's just meet. For a low stakes meeting and find out if we have chemistry or not. Oh, definitely. And I haven't had I haven't had issues meeting people. I'm just talking. This is like on the left here. This is like I've I've just I've, the leftist women don't respond. Um, I mean, like across across the board. I mean, I mean, other people don't respond too. But I'm saying for all the people, let's say a dozen people, eighteen people that I see that say far leftist, socialist, communist in their profiles, I've matched with a number of them. They don't respond, or if they do respond, it's like one message and like dead cricket. Well, then what are you like? What are you saying back to them? Uh, I mean, again, it's sort of it's either so you, approving. So their, it's approving. Their profile it's says solidarity forever, and you respond saying, "Hey, socialism is dope. I canvas for Bernie in 2020," and then they write back, "Cool." No, they they match on Hinge. They'll they'll like. I might even ask like. Do you like any leftist podcasts? And then they will match with me, not answer the question. And I'll be like, hey, hope your day is going well. And they'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, all right. Or like, so it's very minimal. Okay. So and this is then, what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. It's not your fault. Oh, it's I know. It's not your fault. But from the woman's point of view, there's like a holistic guys that are saying, hey, how's your day? Hope your day is good. What's your day? And sure, nobody sure, cares sure. about anybody's day. It's not your fault. But that's just what it is. So my recommendation, I'm not promising fireworks, but if it were me, all I want to hear is, I, to be really honest, what I really want to hear, because I'm a fucking Leo, is I think you're beautiful and you seem really interesting. Do you want to meet? Would you be interested in meeting for coffee two oh, days yeah. from now? So that's, that's actually all I want to hear. That's actually what's worked the best for me is I'll also usually plug. I can't, I can't, again, it's been a little while. I haven't been on the apps as much lately. Um, I'm not sure exactly what I said to these specific people that I'm speaking of, but in general on hinge, because you can comment on specific things. If they yeah. mention books in their profile, I'll say, how would you feel about a bookshop date at some point? Oh, that's, that's, great. My, that's my opening. And that works really well. But again, if I've floated that to anybody 
the only people I've met or I've got like a shot at going out with or getting a phone number from, I usually like to talk on the phone first, but not everyone wants to do that. That's fine. We can just mm-hmm. meet up bookshop date, get coffee, what have you get ice cream. Um, yeah, that's all worked out. I'm just making a point because it's dating on the left. Nobody that has expressed like strong leftist values has been able to even communicate that far. Or if they agreed to going out, they've just ghosted. And we've ne- I've never actually met anyone in the vicinity from a dating app that's a far leftist. And I was like, so you're saying the leftists are just particularly socially inept. In my experience, maybe it's just my <laughs> region. I'm curious what other people in the chat have if they what that they've run into. If anyone else has gone on a date with someone that says communist in their dating profile, I'm curious. That's so um, funny. I don't really think I have. I uh, I went out with one guy in D.C. Uh, I think he was a journalist for some paper, some like magazine, and he took me to this place called Mark's Bar in uh, Petworth or Adams Morgan or one of these neighborhoods. I don't know. One of these kind of cool. Hashtag gentrifying neighborhoods. And um, it wasn't a love connection, but I think he did advertise himself as a socialist of some kind and then had this very on-the-nose venue choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I've gone out with, like, the people that are attracted to me, some of them, like, have heard of me, which is why we match. Although, they do, if they're smart, they keep their cards close to their chest because I won't go out with them if they say fully that they heard of me. So they, wow. they end up being leftists. But um, that doesn't necessarily come through in their profile, but it comes it comes through because they've selected me. You know what I mean? Like they've sought me out because they know I'm a leftist, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So then – my second observation is like, okay, so I've kind of, it's like, I'm not dying to meet a hard far leftist, but like, it'd be nice. I'm open to the thought it like, what would a, you know, like dating a communist might be interesting. I'm, I'm open to knowing what that would be like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's much more like the, the broad left, the Bernie sympathetic, but like Kamala's cool or Elizabeth Warren's like fun. And like, it's a lot more like broad based and I'm like, okay, I can deal with this. I can work through it. And, mm-hmm. and um they, and I've had, it's been really interesting as to how much, again, they love that I'm further left or they love that I care that like, I want a better world or like mm-hmm. Medicare for all and all, you know, climate change prevention. Like they're so glad that it's like, Oh my God, you're not just like disinterested in politics and you mm-hmm. actually have political opinions. The two things I have plugged on dates would be Richard Wolf and this podcast or bad faith podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, I know that you have so much of a male audience and I'm trying to do my part to get more ladies. Oh my to God. Listen. You're amazing. Rex. I, I'm trying. I'm just, well, but then again, <laughs> we're running into the same issue here where this is, ha- this is not, not about one individual. It's happened to me several times over like the last calendar year or so. We're like, everything's going well. We hit it off. We're talking. Good conversation. It's progressing. We're going out a few times. And then it's just like, oh, my God, I'm too busy. Oh, my God, I have anxiety. For whatever reason, there's a reason why they're deciding they can't date or can't date me. And that's I'm not like it's like a bummer, but it's like, okay, great. We can be friends or like we agreed on all these things. You identify as a broad leftist and you were really into Richard Wolf when I sent you a Richard Wolf lecture, but it's just like ghost. And I'm so surprised at like, it's like, I'm not discouraged, but it is like, 
again, in some basic level of like community outreach or like coalition building or just having like a network of people that identify as leftists to find people that are like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're progressive. I'm so glad you have a photo with Bernie, blah, 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 to then just like I feel like it's so strange how much they just cut ties. I don't think it's just us. I think that's kind of just in our society. But I guess I thought I thought that. Yeah, I just thought that it's like there'd be some reason to stay in touch. I'm not I'm not heartbroken. Like, oh, my God, I need to get no, back no, no, I get talking it. to this person again romantically. But like on the left, shouldn't we all be like connecting a bit more? Well, I mean, look, people are busy. And most people aren't really looking for more friends as much as they may say. Like, I don't talk, I don't talk to my the friends that I have nearly enough, you know. So, I mean, I think that's fair. I just, I wonder if, do you have any, like, friends that have weighed in on your romantic fate and who have perhaps offered some insight as people who know you or, or have perhaps oh, seen you? Oh, that's a great question. Context? I very much appreciate that. Um, yes. Cause again, it's sort of like, what did I do wrong? Or like, what's and like, I'm very much open to personal growth and like working on myself and all the good things. Um, there, the basic understanding is, uh, people don't communicate anymore. The society is kind of failing for all the reasons that we left us already know. And it's just like, well, let people do their own thing, which I'm open to letting them do. I'm again, my point, my comment is how surprised I am as to how good the conversation can be, how glad they are to meet someone that they can learn from or like bounce ideas off of politically as like a safe place. And then just have that. It's like, wouldn't we want to maintain that? Even, even if you're busy, even when we talk, even when we only talk like once every four months, like I'm just surprised that it's like, it seems like there's some people say like, no, no Trump supporters. It's like, guess what? I'm, there was one lady that was really, um, like, I really have to tell you something that's kind of important, but like, I, my profile says I'm liberal, but I'm actually not a liberal. And I was like, honey, I can do a handsome socialist. It's okay. You're fine. Everything's good. And like, she just, we even were going to try being friends. And like, I was totally open to it. Like, no problem. Friends. And then she just disappeared. That was a year ago. It was the last time I talked to her was the Super Bowl a year ago. Which is like, okay, I'm not heartbroken Rex, over it, but I am surprised. Rex, I really just need you to understand. That no matter what, if you're a woman on a dating app and a man is saying to you that like they want to be friends, like it's not your fault, but like no one's gonna buy that. They're just they're just not. Oh, this, this isn't on the date. This is like after we've gone out, after we've been talking. Yeah, for yeah, weeks. I know, but who cares? Yeah. Like, I, I'm not saying it's your fault, and like maybe society shouldn't be this messed up, and like women should believe that there can be sincere across gender friendships or whatever but like the reality is i've been in that situation and they don't want to be friends now i'm not saying this is you i'm saying that it can completely be you know real but like no one has time for that like nine times out of ten it's gonna be someone playing the long game to get out the friend zone and especially when you don't have a relationship you barely know each other you just met on the app like you're just gonna have to let that one go i'm afraid i, I think that you can't expect to start a relationship with someone on an app that is explicitly romantic in nature and pivot it into like an organizing network, you know? I no, just, no, I, I'm, I'm certain I'm not an, I'm not a big organizer. It's just like, I guess I just thought that for the importance of wanting to connect with other people with a similar political no, no, no. But, economic but Rex, outlook. The people you're connecting with on hinge aren't connecting because they want to be a part of a community. They're connecting because they want to get laid or they want to be married or they want to have someone to cuddle with or they want to have children or like 
some combination of those things because it's a dating app. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm obviously it's not. That's not the old. That there's bigger reasons to be on the dating app. I fully get it. I appreciate your insight. It's just I'm hard not to trying. I'm not trying to sound. I'm not trying to sound like confused. Of, um, but I, I guess it was just something I've noticed. Of like, people seem so enthusiastic about my political standing, and yet it doesn't it doesn't count for any reason to stay in touch, even in a very broad sense. And I feel like that is a problem within within society. Okay. Well, look, Rex. I'd say touch base with your friends, see if they have any insight. If you have female friends in particular, I'd love to know what they have to say and report back to us. Okay. Oh, I mean, I can tell you what they say, but they're, it, it's, uh, they're, it's very much what you're saying. And it's also like, yeah, that's bad luck. Or like, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not discouraged in the dating scene. It's not, I'm not like, Oh, I can't meet anyone. I was just talking about, my experience with people on the left. This is my, this is where I was coming to for this, this time. All right. Well, let me audience, let us know if you have had similar experiences and if you are Wisconsin based and a leftist, hit my man Rex up. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I have right. a few other comments. I have a few other comments about other shows, but I can call in another time. Call and talk in another about time. I'm, we're yes, going to yes, get, yes. get through this queue, but I appreciate Absolutely. you calling in. Thank Rex. you. Thank you for doing the show. All right. Take care. Keep the faith. Oops. Sorry. Uh, Grace, what's on your mind tonight? Are you with us, Grace? Oh, did I catch Grace off guard? No, oh, Grace. I'm here. Sorry. I The ah, mute button fantastic. disappeared on me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I am about to re-enter the dating world after like nine years. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. And I live in, like, a relatively small town, so I'm worried that I already know everyone. Um, and, like, and the politics part of it is more important to me than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, um, it's gross out here, it looks like. <laughs> Are you on a nap yet? Oh, no. No, I don't think I'm ready for all of that. <laughs> How did you meet your last partner? Um, like mutual friends. Okay. And that was nine years ago? Yeah. Oof. Okay. I mean, the app, well, and like, do you worry about like safety with apps? Because that's one thing that I've been thinking about a lot. Like, not that I have some super huge, I don't know, but like nefarious people who know, who know my politics locally. You know what I mean? I mean, what do you imagine happening with someone you meet on an app that couldn't happen with someone you met at a bar, let's say? I guess, I guess so. I don't know, but like, it'd be easier for them to find me that way or whatever. What do you mean find you? You mean like find your home or something? Like, like no, like they would know if they saw me on an app, like they would know who I was, you know, because like my town's not that big. But isn't that Um, true if someone meets you in real life? I guess, I guess so. I guess. But like the, I mean, I've swiped on my friends, you know, I've like, uh-huh. but I mean, I, I had okay Cupid back in the day mm-hmm. for like a second and I didn't, I never even like went on one date, um, one time. Cause I was just like, it's so easy to eliminate people based on the profiles. Like I could find the smallest thing and just be like, Oh, <laughs> Grace, that's not the point. So I, <laughs> I love okay Cupid actually and resent that I had to take mine down because the red scare subreddit got a hold of it. <laughs> um, 
That's what I'm talking about. That's the fear. But Grace, like, come on. Like, I, I'm not trying to, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a likelihood of that happening in your community, but like, that's not the, it's not a problem for most people because most people don't want to randomly make fun of someone, you know, strangers, anonymous thing. And if it, you know, if it weren't literally one of the biggest podcasts, you know, one of the biggest broadcasts on Patreon's subreddit making fun of it, I wouldn't have, you know, like it's, it's fine. Like if someone were to screen grab my hinge profile or whatever, I wouldn't care. Cause it's like minimal information. It's public photos and minimal information, you know, yeah. but, but like the, okay. Cubas are so detailed and I had written it back in like 2011 or something. And, you know, it didn't, I hadn't updated it and it was too earnest for the internet and I just had to get rid of it. But I will say that I had the best success on OkCupid because I feel like when you answer all of their questions, answer as many of them as possible, like thousands of them. In my experience, when you see someone and it tells you you're like a 90, 95, 98% match, when you meet them, you will absolutely have a good time with them. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be attracted to them or want to date them. But you will have enough in common to enjoy the meal. Okay. <laughs> and so I, I'm a big believer I'll... in OkCupid. Okay <laughs> yeah. Um, I When I was back there, well, back in the day, I do remember there being a question that was like, would you date people outside of your race? Mm -hmm. I remember um, that. And I remember, like, I would eliminate anyone who said no. Mm -hmm. That would be eliminating other I guess, I guess in that case, well, I guess that doesn't necessarily mean that they were white dudes, but, um, I definitely seeing it among white dudes. Um, and that, yeah. piece of, that piece of the episode also hit me because the, the relationship that I'm leaving, um, like I have, or I was in a relationship with someone who was half black, half Puerto Rican mm -hmm. and like, now that I'm reentering this, like I've seen, I don't know. I didn't think, like, I don't think that we thought either of us thought it through in terms of like how much impact that was going to have on our relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and like now I almost feel like, is it irresponsible for me to put other people in that position? Just like having seen, you know what I mean? Like Can how, I ask how the race kind of negatively affected their relationship? Well, I mean, first off, I, well, I, I'm not going to say it. I mean, I, for just it, it definitely like we live in the south there was you know i mean just mm -hmm. interacting in the world like mm -hmm. once you know i mean but that but those are things and it's almost like i'm um and he even said like i'm he's like i've dated other white women but you're like the whitest one <laughs> <laughs> um and so like there were you know like people would treat us poorly obviously like because mm -hmm. of that you know in public situations but then and then of course navigating family dynamics um which particularly but I mean I feel like I would have fought with them you know I would have ended up fighting with them after you know like engaging in protests and stuff in 2020 like that was all going to come to a head mm -hmm. one way or the other but then feeling like oh now I'm putting him in this position I don't want you to have to deal with these shitty family members you know what I mean um yeah it's hard like family is such a stressor in any relationship that you know <sighs> It's not unreasonable to ask yourself whether you want to deal with the kind of 
cultural layer of family discord on top of the normal layer of in-law discord. That like that is not an unreasonable thing to ask yourself. Like, do you want to deal? You know, my mom always says like, you don't get to pick a perfect person. You get to pick the the flavor of crap that you deal with. And so, like, what can you tolerate? Is 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 like having an, an extra boosted family discord going to be an issue that has like a racial layer on top of like the normal stuff? Maybe you don't have that discord. Like, it's not necessarily the case. Maybe the like it was my case. I got along famously with my um, Chinese American boyfriend's parents. I thought I loved them, but you know, it can definitely exacerbate already potentially tense relationship. Right. And, you know, I mean, for me, it's like, well, cause like last year, my, like, I, I was like, my sister was getting married and I was just like, you know, you don't have to go to this wedding. Like, <laughs> you know, like you don't have to like, it, I mean, it's up to you, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Of course you're welcome to come. Um, cause that was really just like one specific family member who I don't even talk to, but like, I'm like, I know, I know walking into this, first of all, that you're going to be like either the only black person here or one of, mm-hmm. you know, I guess if he had gone, there were like a couple of black people, there. <laughs> but, um, but you know, like just pu- repeatedly putting him in those situations. And I feel like I want to be like mindful of that going forward while also like, generally having like the lowest trust for white men of anybody like still <laughs> grace uh, I, well i mean not all white men grace no no i mean there are white men that i like i mean i've dated i've d- dated plenty of white men but like <laughs> you know but like just generally speaking off the bat like i find you know uh just like a, a lower level of respect and i i well, and maybe it's like something about like having uh, like under, you know, like being being a woman and, and knowing like what it's like to deal with, you know, white men just don't know uh, what anything is like in a way. Some some white some white men <laughs> um, and Look, their audacity it, is strong. But but I, but like yeah. I would never be like, I'm not going to date white men. Like, yeah, no way, I mean, really, but... if we're going to be honest, it's just that men are the problem. Straight men are just the problem. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, and that's another layer too, which you guys didn't touch on, but like, and I don't know if it's just my community too, but like, I that's something that's changed significantly is like, you know, like gender identities and and sexual like fluidity of sexuality Mm -hmm. um, since the last. And so, like, I don't know how to like ask someone like, would you date a me? Like, is that? (laughs) Am I on like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Am I on the spectrum of that for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. I don't know, and, and there's like, you just don't know when you meet people, like what the deal is, you know? So like, I know somebody, I'm like, oh, this person's pretty cute. But I'm like, I have no idea <laughs> the answer to that, you know? Well, I do. Look, I am a, an evangelist for apps and OkCupid in particular. And I do think that OkCupid allows you to like provide more context about yourself than any other app. You can write essays about yourself if you want, although I wouldn't necessarily recommend getting too long on the tooth. That's why I'd be so mad when dudes would just be like, Hey, sup, you're sexy or whatever. And I'm like, I gave you a whole ass profile and you have, you can't come up with something that you can link in, like connect with me on. Well, that happens grace. But then sometimes you get people who write you these lovely, thoughtful paragraphs that show that they read everything and they're actually intrigued by your hobbies and you, you know, they actually, you said something about yourself that rung true. And 
in those moments, you know, you can tell when it's, hey, what's up, sexy girl? Maybe you want to meet them because maybe they're sexy too. (laughs) (laughs) There's also people, I just, I've met so many wonderful people on OkCupid in particular. And And Hinge also, I think, is the next runner up. So I would encourage you to not, I mean, obviously be safe, meet people in public spaces, tell your friends where you're going, don't bring them back to your house. But generally speaking, I think meeting people online is safer because you can Google them. <laughs> you know their name and some identifying piece of information going into it. And you can find out that they're at least like a real person and that they are who they said they are. Yeah. And, you know, start from there. Yeah. And just go out. Well, my one friend was like, you know, first dates are just fun and maybe you get free food, you know? And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, don't count that. on it, but. <laughs> also, I really loved the, the, um, episode where you I'm so glad you did the cop city episode I wanted to to thank you for that too um oh I'm glad another space for that but I see you you're moving I see you're like I feel like in the time that I've listened to your show I've watched you like shifting away from electoralism in a way that I also am um yeah, yeah to a degree um and maybe I might be an anarchist now I don't know <laughs> Ooh, look what you need is to get a t-shirt and wear it in one of your pictures and then move to Wisconsin <laughs> <laughs> and not respond to any messages <laughs> LOL look well, let I us know you. check back in with us let us know how it's going I'll see how it goes out here <laughs> I have I have I have faith though yeah <laughs> well I appreciate you have a good one you too Grace Bye. Keep the faith. All right, Dominic, what's on your mind tonight? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. Ah, yes, just two things. Uh, First, like the episode, and uh, I like the dating apps, except I generally, as a person, I run into basically one really big issue. Mm -hmm. A lot of the women in my age range have kids. Mm -hmm. That's just... I hate to say it's a deal breaker, but it kind of is because I don't really want to be in like a relationship where we've already basically jumped towards the end because the kid always going to come first and that's going to hamper a lot of the early dating. Is that, is that necessarily, I'm like, I'm not asked, I'm not like, I don't have an angle here, uh, but is that necessarily true? Uh, generally, uh, like for the the times that I have done it, especially. So you have like, dated women with kids before or people with kids before? Yeah. Like I've been on dates and stuff with people with kids and stuff. And I'm not like a terribly old person. So the kids are generally still young. Well, how old are you, Dominic? Because you're like, I'm I'm uh, getting up there like your father <laughs> time or something. <laughs> uh, next month I turn 39. Oh, honey. Okay. All right, Dominic. Okay. So you're like a normal middle ground dating age yeah and most of the women have like uh early age kids who okay and without like babysitters like a lot of the times they just can't get away mm-hmm. and has that has that been the case every time you try to go out with with someone with a child or just some some women have more trouble with it i mean uh, it's obviously a, it's difficult yeah unless, yeah, unless they're like balling out of control where they can mm-hmm. hire babysitters all the time. Well, maybe they have family nearby. Maybe the father's very involved. 
Oh, well, that's another thing. I also just don't want to be in a relationship with the other dude as well, since they're always going to be coming around. Or if they're not coming around at all, that's other issues. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and, like, poo-poo it. I I don't know that I've ever really actually gone out with a guy. No, I've been out. I guess I've been out with a guy who had, like, kind of adult – not adult, but, like, teenage kids. But it was just, like, one day. It wasn't like I was really trying to do anything. And I, I can't say that I especially relish that possibility. Uh, not because I'm worried about them making time for me because, you know, Ben, <laughs> they'd be dumbing them kids. <laughs> I don't make time for you. <laughs> but because um, that just feels like a lot of responsibility. Yeah. I'm, that's, that's what I'm saying. And it's, it's a whole lot of responsibility just to jump into like, it's not like I knew this person mm-hmm. growing up or around the way and we just got close over time and then she got kids and we reconnected. I'm like, oh, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But like, just for like, I'm solely going to like look into dating somebody. Now I'm going to be like, oh, well, I'll start my my romantic relationship or my dating career with this person who already has kids. And I'm already like starting off as like a quasi or like almost like not just like going out for like a uh, like we're dating, but also it seems like auditioning for like quasi stepdad. Yeah, look, that's a lot of pressure to put on a situation. I don't know that the woman would necessarily even wants you to be in that frame of mind. I think it's perfectly possible that like nine out of ten, 10 cases, I would prefer not to date someone with a kid. But like maybe the love of your life just happens to have a kid. And I think if you connected with the person, then you would start to reevaluate some stuff, you know, like. Oh, is it a kid or is it the kid from Jerry Maguire? You know? <laughs> um, but like, is this that big a problem? Like how often is it like impossible for you to find women in their, let's say mid thirties that don't have children? Oh, what happened to, what, what happened to our friend? Dominic, what happened to you, my friend? Oh, I'm sorry. It's got kicked out somehow. Okay. No, it's not impossible, but this brings me back to the other thing. It's it's usually the black women that have kids. Like the white women, they don't have kids. And so I tend to go out on more dates with them. Okay. I tend to be less Christian. And so when I'm looking for black women to date around my age, I would say about a good 60% have kids. And so that kind of shrinks my already, like, small pool. What part of the country do you live in? Uh, Ohio. Columbus. This is so funny. My brother is 39 years old and living in Cleveland currently and was just complaining about this when I was home last weekend. <laughs> oh, if I were, if I swipe through my dating, uh, my dating profiles on Hinge, I can run out of swipes before I see a black woman. Um, well, he says he sees black women, but there are a lot of people with kids. Uh, which, by the way, wasn't really the situation in New York. And I, I mean, I haven't, you know, I don't know. I, I haven't been active on an app in a while. So I'm a little concerned about what I'm going to discover at my big age. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm literally considering lying my age, not because I am embarrassed by my age, but because I think that there are people who would exclude a 37 year old or a 38 year old who wouldn't. This is so narcissistic. Who wouldn't exclude me? <laughs> mm. If 
they knew it was me. <laughs> um, and I just want, I don't want to be caught up by the uh, algorithm. But like, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't think that it's untrue or wrong. I mean, like, does it bother you that there aren't more black women available? Or are you kind of happy to date whoever? No. Like, if it's not a priority uh, for you I mean, to date black women, then it's not a priority for you. I mean, truth be told, though, flight. that's the thing. It, it kind of is. Because, like, I can go out and do short-term dating with, like, white women, Mexican. I, mean, I feel like racist for saying this. But, like, if I want to, like, long-term or if I see myself settling down, it's kind of hard for me to see myself doing that with somebody who's not black because it would just feel like there would just be like a whole lot of like inside side so they just wouldn't get and it, mm-hmm. and well it's what just, if you just put the age down a little bit like what if it's you put it down to like 33 that's not like a crazy age gap or anything oh i mean i generally set my age from like 30 to 45 and you can't find a 30 year old without kids uh, not a black one. Come on. I know. I have a friend in Columbus who's 37 years old. She's got no kids. She has a degree from Harvard Law School. <laughs> uh, undergraduate at Penn. <laughs> Let me stop uh, before I, I fully dox her. If she was on the, if she was on Hinge or Bumble, either A, I haven't came across her yet, or B, I swiped on her and she swiped left on me. She's probably not on the apps because she is a little bit of a hermit. Um, but man, I'm not saying you're wrong. Like I know that there's a bit of an inventory problem. I find there to be an inventory problem in Washington, DC. Ever since I left New York and stopped being 30, there's been an inventory problem. I mean, I kind of understand that because I was kind of cleaning up when I was a younger man, but now those days are not quite as fruitful. And since the pandemic, a lot of people just, or at least around here, just haven't really been going out like that anymore. And things are still kind of slow. Yeah, I don't know what to do. Like, it just, it feel like, I feel like sometimes, is it that we all have narrowed down what we want too much? We're like all basically just collectively too picky and not in a, like, we don't deserve the things that we are kind of wanting world, but like realistically it just doesn't exist so you either have to be comfortable with being single which you know i'm kind of open to or like settle which i'm less open to i think i'd rather just be alone than be with someone who i quietly resented all the time yeah i mean that's why i'm not like big mad that i'm not dating Mm -hmm. it's just like one of those things that's kind of annoying but at the same time like I still go I, I go out on dates and mm-hmm. I have a ton of friends so it's it's not anything that I'm like oh man it's just like oh that's a kind of annoying thing that I noticed what about older women with maybe oh. adult children oh I mean those are I don't mind I mean I've been out on a lot of dates with them do you want to have children is that an issue for you uh when I was younger I didn't but I'm kind of ambivalent. I'm more of like, it's not anything I'm ever going to sit down and plan. But if it just kind of happens, it happens. Honey, that's how all those women ended up with all those children you don't want to be around. <laughs> and that's how all of my friends ended up with their kids. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Look, it might be a blessing in disguise to honestly meet a woman who has a kid who's passed some of the hardest bits. The pampers, the crying at night. You know, meet someone who has like a charming seven-year-old. God, seven-year-olds are so adorable. Or like a kid in college. Yeah, like the older kids are like kids who like I don't have to like take care of. I mean, like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, I kind of feel like I used to watch the shows like Millionaire Matchmaker and would dream of someone like scouring the entire country for me. Like in that show, like women will move across, like they'll go on two dates and the woman will like move across the country for this millionaire man. And I used to think, well, maybe the issue is like my husband is in California. Sometimes I think that like I have a California spirit and my husband is out on the West Coast. But there's nothing to do about that. Like, what am I going to do? Move somewhere with the hopes that I'm vibing with the people in that area? I mean, would you consider moving moving out of Columbus? I thought about that a few times. If either going back uh, home to Kansas City mm-hmm. or uh, moving up with one of my fraternity brothers in uh, Chicago. Ooh, I like Chicago for you. Oh, I love going to Chicago and hanging out. It's just expensive. Do you ever just, like, go take a trip to Chicago and, like, swipe while you're there? Uh, Yeah. And is it is there inventory? Oh yeah, I mean like, <laughs> I'm sorry to commodify all these I mean, women. Like, like I'm sorry, but it's like you don't even need to swipe. When I go to Chicago, you just go out and you just meet them at the nightlife. Okay, but are you meeting people that you have a connection with, or just people you want to have a connection with? I mean, it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> I mean, not in that way, but if like if I'm out somewhere doing something I like. And I meet somebody out there and they're doing and we're doing the same things we like and we both like each other and we hook up. I mean, I don't tell all my friends found their wives. I mean, okay. Okay, then great. So maybe just spend more time in Chicago. I know like, travel more and swipe while you're there, or go out in other places and maybe you'll start something long distance and Maybe you'll one of or both of you will find it worth your while to move together. I've met people who've met long distance, and in fact, I had a girl. I knew a girl here who I went to college with, uh, who was dating this man long distance who lived in Chicago. Black. I went to college with her, and when I remember back in 2018, we weren't like friends in college. She was a year older than me, but we met up because I didn't have any friends in DC, and we had drinks. I remember her telling me about this man she was dating in Chicago, and I was in my head like. This ain't gonna work out this long distance. Like, there's no way this is real. She's like wish, wish casting. Like, good luck to her. Cut to, I ran into her like a few months ago, and they're married, and she was in town for work, and she's like blissfully in bliss. So it happens. Yeah, that's what happened to my friend who went to Chicago. And See? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just probably just Columbus. I mean, I hear Columbus is a little bleak. Maybe you can just go take a trip to Cleveland. You can, you and my brother can go on the prowl together. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, one last thing I wanted to say before I let you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get a chance to do it on one of your radars or bring it up on your show or a podcast, I really think you should do an episode on like AI ethics or the new Microsoft uh, search engine or web browser. What's the deal with the new web browser? Uh, so they're putting the, their new AI chatbot in their web browser and the new uh, Microsoft Edge. And so basically, 
if you're just on any page, the AI will read everything on that page and tell you everything about it. So like, well, uh, isn't that what the page will tell me that I'm reading? Uh, it depends on the page. So the, uh, one of the examples they gave, they had a earnings document. It was 25 some pages. And they asked the AI to just say what was in it. It went through the whole earnings document, broke down all the bullet points and was able to search other companies and their earning documents and come back all the information and give it into bullet points, questions to the point where like how everybody Googles things. I don't think people will be going to other people's websites and for people who run websites that uh, need uh, advertising dollars, they're not going to get that. And for copyrighted material and people who make stuff that the AIs are training on, they won't be getting any of that money either. And mm -hmm. since going forward in the future, just like how everybody Googles everything, people are just going to be getting all of their answers straight from the AIs that are only really owned by two companies, Google mm -hmm. and Microsoft. And they're the only ones right now who are even talking about what they can do, what they're not letting them do. And like, nobody has say, and like, at least in China, they make sure that everything that's AI generated has to be labeled as AI generated works. Mm. And we're just like kind of way behind the time because we just, I guess we just assumed it would either never happen or be way down the road. And now I feel like we're kind of behind the ball. All right. Well, let me do some reading and look into it. Um, I definitely have to do um, a radar about the train crash and Palestine, Ohio, although now there's another one. Oof. Also, it'll just make your work vastly easier. What? The AI stuff? Yeah. Like you had somebody on your podcast a little while ago, or maybe it might have been on the call in, and she says how she uh, reads through all of the uh, bills and everything like that. and then Oh, yeah. Jen Briney. Yeah, that 2000 page uh, spending thing that they released, that could have been done in an instant. You would have known everything well, about it. I don't understand how it can summer. It's 2000 pages of stuff. So whatever you're telling me about it, it's like this editorial decisions have been made. And I don't know that I trust them. What Jen Briney is looking for as a leftist, let's say, is not going to be the same thing that some like neutral um, well, you could tell it to view it as a leftist. You can des design how you want that bot to act to go look through that data. And then you can also interrogate the, the AI. Like, that's the thing. They're, they're not just like, hey, what is this? It's, it's eerily good about how you can talk to it and get it to do things. And you can kind of like quasi torture it to get it to do things it doesn't want to mm. do. Like, uh, okay. It's All right. like once you start to see the, the you can even just go uh, get the, the Bing demo. You can just sign up for Microsoft Bing and just use their search engine version of it. And then you will see like times are a changing. Mm. Okay, Dominique, I'll take, a, I'll take a look at it. I appreciate the recommendation and thanks for calling in. All right. All right. Keep the faith. Uh, I was going to come to Rika, but I think she gave up on us. If she's still hanging out down in the room, we should come back up. Aaliyah, what's on your mind tonight? 
Hey, Bree. I was waiting for this episode. I've been waiting <laughs> since the last one. Um, I just, I love these discussions. I very much enjoy the dating episodes. They're always a delight. Um, <laughs> so let me just, I'm going to try and be brief here, brief here, but um, I think I might be done with dating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, lay it I, on me. I, I am emotionally exhausted. So let's just get this out the way. I'm a Sagittarius sun, Taurus moon, Aries rising. Um, so <laughs> just a little background on myself. So I grew up in a predominantly white area, predominantly white schools, mm-hmm. was very used to being the only black kid in my class mm-hmm. because of that. Did I did have a lot of crushes on white boys growing up. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if any of them actually liked me back, uh, but mm-hmm. I was very shy. So I never really like had any boyfriends as a kid or anything like that mm-hmm. but I'm very still very much open to you know dating outside of my race very you know I've been attracted to men of all different races and ethnicities um although I definitely understand why you know black women especially are maybe more hesitant to that or you know mm-hmm. um, part of the country you grew up in I am from southern Illinois near okay. St. Louis cool means. yes so as far as my dating history goes though it's um, pretty non-existent. It's it's funny because like I have two sisters and they like pretty much always had boyfriends. Um, they kind of always felt like an intrinsic need almost to like you know be loved and validated by men. Um, whereas I'm kind of the opposite. But growing up, I always wanted a boyfriend, right? So mm-hmm. I always wanted to be in love because. All my friends had boyfriends, my sisters, you know, that's all you see in media, how being in love and getting married is this like essential part of life that you Mm -hmm. can't miss out on. And I felt left out. I was like, I want to experience that too. And then I finally got a boyfriend at 18 and I was like, oh shit, this fucking sucks (laughs) because it was extremely (laughs) traumatizing. Like it was just very chaotic and like Mm -hmm. a very toxic relationship. Again, this was like. I was 18 to 21 when it ended. He was two years older than me and it was a black guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that relationship lasted like two years and like still to this day, seven years going on seven years later at the tender age of 28, <laughs> I haven't been with anyone romantically or sexually since mm-hmm. I haven't even gone on a date. Um, I've like dabbled in like on the apps a little bit. Um, but not in a long time. Mm-hmm. I was just sitting here yesterday really thinking about why that is, because on several occasions, I feel like I've been made to feel like there's something wrong with me, like, as if, like, how can you possibly go so long without a partner or without sex and, like, still be so content? Like, what's going on here? Um, but a few things. For one, I don't get out much. I just prefer to stay indoors in the safety and comfort of my own home. Um, so that's one. Two, I just don't think, I don't know if dating apps are for me. Like I, I, I haven't tried out Hinge, so I will still keep an open mind to that. Um, and maybe OkCupid too, since you mentioned that, but mm-hmm. I did have, I did have a guy once on Tinder, like kind of try and stalk me for a little while. So that was a, a bit disturbing. <laughs> tried like showed up at my job at the time. It was just, Oh my ooh. God. Yeah. How did he know where you worked? Uh, because I was an idiot and told him. 
yeah well but i didn't think learned. he should, it's not yeah. that you're an idiot it's not your fault <laughs> we should have to live in a world where we have to keep that kind of stuff private you're not an idiot exactly. but lesson learned yeah exactly lesson learned um I'm also just like, I'm not a casual sex person. It's just mm-hmm. like, not for me. My emotions can't handle that level mm-hmm. of intimacy uh, in such a casual manner. And then, so I've really been questioning lately, like, if I even desire to have a partner that badly. And I don't know mm-hmm. that I do. Because like, dating and relationships, right, they typically come with a lot of stress, a lot of arguing, a lot of crying, a lot of heartbreak, cheating seems to be unfortunately a very common thing. Mm-hmm. I've seen it with my own parents. Um, lots of, you know, my dad did cheat on my mom a lot. Um, and abuse is obviously something I often worry about as well. And as far as just like dating specifically, politics is obviously very important to me. Um, and I feel like the area I live in is a conservative hellscape. There's not that many like leftists, I would say. I mean, liberals, sure, maybe. Um, but even so, it's just a lot of either social, like socially conservative people or, mm-hmm. you know, like actual Republicans. Um, so, I'm, you know, that kind of turns me off to the idea of continuing to try and date out here anyway and I also don't want to ever have kids so that makes my dating pool even smaller I guess Mm -hmm. and that also just unlocks a new fear of like getting into a relationship with a guy that initially may have given like the impression that he didn't want kids either but like years later suddenly changes his mind (laughs) because I've heard way too many stories like that and it just Mm -hmm. scares the hell out of me um to just kind of like waste my time like that seemingly but I find that I really do just enjoy being single. You know, it's very peaceful. I can Mm -hmm. do whatever I want, whenever I want, without having to, you know, check in with somebody else or, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just a a very independent person. So like not having, not having anyone trying to like have control over me is important because I definitely experienced that in my one relationship. And I have, you know, no issue taking myself out on dates. I go to the movies by myself quite often and it's Mm -hmm. great. And I take, you know, myself out to eat. I can take myself to the park or to a concert and have a grand old time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do understand that I'm still very young, obviously. And I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not completely closed off to the idea of being in a relationship, but I still think it would be pretty cool. I do think it would be pretty cool to have a life partner like a best friend that I can experience life with perhaps travel the world with you know have an overall healthy relationship with but at this point I think in my life I'm just more focused on building a community of like friends that I can count on that like share my ideals and have a similar worldview yeah and that I can like occasionally have fun with and you know and if I just so happen to stumble upon you know some man that absolutely blows me away because part of me also feels like my my standards are really high and I just feel like I don't know it has to be like you have to blow me away like you know what I mean Aaliyah I don't think there's anything wrong with like there's so much social pressure like you were saying to have a certain kind of life yeah and to be seeking especially as a young woman for a romantic life to be your sort of priority and if you're not feeling an organic urge to partner up 
I think that's completely legitimate, for, you know, for whatever reason, you know, if you if you don't are seeking out sexual gratification, if you're not seeking out emotional gratification, there's like nothing wrong with not dating or not having a partner. The only thing I would say is I do have friends whose experiences with relationships, either the ones they've observed, you know, through their parents or the ones they've experienced personally or both have been very dramatic and that there's a, there haven't been a lot of, there hasn't been good modeling for how relationships can look. Yeah. And I would hate for there to be a presumption that it's all stress and drama and therefore not worth your time because you like peace. I think you can have peace in a relationship. Yeah. Now you're not, you know, the time isn't, your time isn't entirely your own. Obviously you're with another person. So there are compromises, but like, you can like not live with someone and be dating someone and only see them on the weekends. Really? I mean, that's how most working people I feel like end up anyway. Um, and you know, you have your time to yourself Yeah. and you know, there are so many people who are not cheaters and who are kind and who benefit you in your life in many ways who maybe, maybe you're not a good cook and they are, maybe you're, a good at cleaning and organizing and they're good at planning trips and together you guys manage to maximize each other's lives and the experiences you have experiences that you wouldn't ordinarily have. Someone sees something on Instagram that's an event in town and suggested to you and then you two go and do that. And it's something you never ordinarily would have done, you know, and, and that can be really nice yeah. and it can be really nice to know that there's someone who's kind of signed up to hear, what's been going on with your day and who's going to be interested in even the things that you've done alone. So you can go to a solo movie and like have your date with yourself and then come home and have someone to share those kinds of experiences with too. It doesn't necessarily have to be that you do every single thing with this person either. And so I just would, I just, I would want you to be making a choice that's informed by an experience that relationships can be relatively peaceful too. Um, and not like kind of a decision that's rooted in a belief that it has to be disruptive or chaotic or people who don't kind of respect you and your time and your boundaries. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it that has a lot that has so much to do with just what I've seen, you know, anecdotally in my in my within my personal life and, you know, friends and like I said, my parents and my sis, my sister's relationships and such. And then also, you know, people online that, you know, are so open about their own lives and their, the messiness of their lives. And it's just like, <laughs> Oh God, do I even want you know, to, I didn't fun? say any of that. I mean, like, look, I did not care for, uh, how it, things went down with my ex fiance. I will say that, but the drama came from the fact that we were engaged and then we weren't. Not because there was like some big blow up or like, you know what I mean? Like all of my relationships have basically ended because, you know, one of us didn't like each other that much anymore, but it wasn't that deep. I mean, at the time it's hurtful. I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm not saying it's not hurtful, but it wasn't like I came home to someone in my bed or like, like there, there, there haven't been cheating scandals. They were all good people. So for makes fiance, he sucks. But there were other, <laughs> the rest were like good people who it just didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, and I would have I would have loved for 
that first relationship I think that would have made so much of a difference honestly with my perspective on relationships now if that first relationship had you know ended amicably at all because it was just like not that and I think maybe if it did then I wouldn't be so scared to open myself up like 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 that again but I like I said I am definitely still open and I I do know that healthy relationships exist they just are hard to to see because they don't bring drama they don't bring entertainment yeah I think that's right I think that sometimes people think the fear of losing someone is love like the panic and heart racing of butterflies is just like the insecurity of not knowing if someone's going to stay with you and that's a lesson you got to learn the difference between those feelings yeah yeah um and it sounds like you have you like have been doing a lot of introspection and you know yourself and you know what you like so you know i'd encourage you you're 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 young but as we were discussing with the earlier caller from columbus very quickly you get into an age where there are fewer options in a rather dramatic fashion yeah so if you're at all interested in thinking that you might want to be in a relationship i would encourage you to explore a little whether it's going on apps or getting involved in social activities where you're likely to meet someone in real life and at least just figure it out while you still have a choice (laughs) (laughs) but while it's still Uh, easier if you choose to pursue a relationship to go ahead and see if that's really what you want now yeah no i i totally i totally agree with that and i do i i strive to get out of the midwest and i do want to in the west on the west coast so i do want to be in a bigger city where there's potentially more options as well and maybe more um possibly more leftists or progressives i don't mm-hmm. know um we'll see but i yeah i guess dating when i think about dating here where i'm from it, i get i feel like really depressed but when i think about maybe just getting outside my bubble and getting to a bigger city that kind of you know excites me and makes me want to be more open um but yeah i i definitely am still still open to to true love um and you know i'm just not gonna go out of my way i guess to like seek it out for now just because i'm just like too focused on getting my own shit together i guess i don't know but um and you know for right now like i said i'm totally fine being you know single i you know, if I have a, a couple dogs and a cat, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? And however, the last point I'll make here is just it sucks because the cost of living in the U.S. does not mm-hmm. make it easy at all to be a mm-hmm. single childless person trying to live in a decent, safe area. I almost mm-hmm. feel sometimes as if I have to find a partner eventually in order to live even just in a nice one bedroom apartment, especially like in a bigger mm-hmm. city like i'm trying to move to so it's like me and my best and my best friends are always talking about this because they live in boston i live in dc and they are trifling with these one bedroom apartment prices oh like the, the one bedrooms are clearly designed for a couple right mm-hmm. there's a closet on both sides of a hallway like one for him one for her or sorry that's deeply heteronormative but you know what I mean? one for one partner one for the other yeah. partner and they're priced they're priced like they're expecting two salaries to go into this stupid you know, three thousand, the thirty-two hundred dollar apartment. You know what I mean? Like they're all priced like that. Like 
who is this person that they're imagining, you know, who is going to pay $3,200 a month to live in a place that's not that big. Right. Or, or they'll want to charge you for like $2,500 studio. And so all my friends are like pushing 40, like faced with this situation. Are they going to spend most of their salary to finally live alone? Or are they going to have roommates? Mm -hmm. You know, at, at 37, 38 years old. Right. It's like, I feel like there's four options. Like option A, be born into wealth, which I unfortunately do not have the luck of the draw on that one. Yeah. Option B, find a partner that also has a full-time income. Mm-hmm. Option C, live with roommates for the rest of your life, I guess. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Or option D, get a job that pays you an exorbitant amount of money so you can like afford to live in a nice neighborhood on your own, which I'm personally now re- kind of relying on option D just be- to come to fruition one day as I do aspire to like be a content creator myself as well mm-hmm. as an actor. So I, hopefully luck is on my side with that. But like, we've well, got a great voice. Everybody's commented on it. So, Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've gotten that before. That's awesome. Thank you guys. But yeah, I hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm still, I believe in love, Brie. I still believe in love, you know, even if it's just platonic, but you know, I do, I do hope that my, my future partners out there, you know, <laughs> I, I believe in it too. And what is what was why is this having a lot? Do you guys still hear me? I feel like oh I'm wait, you're kind of quiet. Yeah, I feel like wait, one second. Am I back? Yes. Right? Yes. Kind of, yes. Yes. Okay. I, I will say that I also believe in love because I've experienced it. You know? Yeah. Um, and, like, things can be good and worthwhile, even if they didn't last forever. Yeah, that's true. It's not like a race, and there's no finish line, no matter what Hollywood tells you. And, you know, it takes pressure off of things. This is for online dating, because some people get exhausted by online dating. But it's only exhausted if you're, like, dating to marry. I'm not saying don't keep an eye out for the qualities that you want and don't waste time with people that you know are categorically kind of like not in the wheelhouse, not in the realm of possibility. But like also like take a moment to just appreciate the person who's sitting on the other side of the table and what you're getting out of this experience short of a walk down the aisle. That's all. I think that that helps you enjoy the experience and not see it as a series of setbacks instead of seeing it as a journey towards not even towards it, just like as a journey. Like yeah. Just as much of an experience as taking yourself to the movies. Yeah. 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 I, I, I definitely agree with that. Well, thank you again for everything you do, Brie. You are indeed the debate queen of the left, and that's on period. Um, <laughs> so thank you, and uh, have a good night. <laughs> thank you, Leah. I appreciate you calling in. Keep the faith, and good luck with everything. All right, Matthias, I don't know what's going on with my audio. It just magically came back. Like I, can, I can hear in the earbuds when it's doing what it's supposed to be doing versus when it's not. I don't know how to control it. If someone from Colin is listening to me and you want to take pity on me and send me another one of these soundboards, I'm happy to take it. Um, Matthias, uh, what's can on you your mind? Me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Well, I also wanted to say you are the queen of debate on the left. <laughs> um, and. I, I actually wanted to talk about the Norm episode, even sure. though I, I absolutely loved this one. I hadn't watched the, the previous dating ones, but this was just 
a total delight all around. And it was great that you got FDC to fire on as well. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed him. I think he's just really terrific. His latest uh, video was really good too. Yeah, I I just started watching that after after listening to it um, because because of your recommendation. Um, Excellent, love to hear but it. Norm, there was there's just one thing I really wanted to say because at some point, you know, get, just getting hung up with him on the whole issue of like, no, um, we do need to rank these things like the, our, our priorities, like we need to be ranking class against race and against other, other identity categories in big quotes, right? Like we, uh, we have to be saying like class comes before race and it's just totally baffling to me because at one point you had said something along the lines of, well, I feel like class is, has like a, a, a broader political, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, right. But a broader political base. Um, but I, I keep it to myself or I don't like lead mm-hmm. with that or something. And yeah, it's th- that's, it's so true. It's like, no one is making you say these things. No one is making you put your foot in your mouth on this shit. And it's just, it's so easy to, to not come off. Like you don't give a shit about things that are clearly very important to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that was, that yeah, was I mostly, mean, that's... That's the thing. And it's funny. I noticed this. I saw it happening back in 2018 when I I took a second in the middle of these fights I was having with Nicole Hannah-Jones on Twitter at the time. And I was like, why are we fighting? Like, I I offered what I felt to be a very narrow criticism. Like, I followed the woman in the first place because I liked – I thought she had so much relevant good things to say. She was one of the biggest education reporters at – wherever she was at the time, the times, I guess, out of nowhere. And I, I like, I wasn't hostile to her at least until it became this weird thing where I noticed there's a pattern in her work where she would insist on ranking these issues and say things about how race had to come first. It's the same thing with, with norm. All you have to do is keep your personal priorities to yourself or say for me, this is my priority, but not put that on everybody else and say, if you don't put race first, you're a racist. Or if you don't put class first, you can't be a part of my clo- coalition. Or you're stupid or, or mis- you're, you're misdirected. Yeah. Just keep it to yourself. Just yeah, say, no, well, my I, priority I totally is this, agree. but we can work together on that. It's not that it's- hard. And I'm sorry, like people, like I've noticed a pattern of people who demand a hierarchy. And I got to say, I get like big op energy from it. Because who is this benefiting? Like, normal people don't have conversations like this. Like, oh, do you like pizza? Yeah, I like pizza, but I got to make it really clear that I prefer sushi. Like, who asked you? <laughs> Let's just get pizza, damn. Yeah, you no, know? It, is just, it is just extremely uh, divisive. And um, I don't know. It's, it, it's just so easy for it to come off right off the bat like you are either on my side or you're a persona non grata for insert reason here right yeah um but i i love what he has to say you know all around in in general and he's so good on palestine that uh you know a principled disagreement is a good thing to have yeah and i think that you know i one of the things i really just love and respect so much about norm is that he is so thoughtful and he is gonna ruminate on an exchange and he is going to consider an approach 
And he is open to critique and changing his mind and, in fact, welcomes it. And, like, a lot of people in the world don't have the tolerance for conflict that Norm has and that, frankly, I have. And I find it to be refreshing, and I'm so grateful that he keeps – like, he, he gets as much out of these sometimes combative exchanges that, as I do. I, I mean, I'm glad that, that you both do because, as a listener, I, I enjoy it thoroughly – and beyond enjoying it, I think that there is real substance that that comes out of it. And I, I have to say, just very briefly, I, I really liked the Vosh episode because I thought that there were, especially in like the, the second half, there mm-hmm. were some moments that are like so elucidating into how uh, to be condescending, how the liberal mind works. Mm-hmm. Um because, because he, you know, when he explains himself at a certain level, I'm like, okay, I see where you're coming from. Although, if I take all of his premises, it's like, well, how do you not just think that accelerationism is the answer? And he kind of said that, right? But he was unwilling to, like, be the one that throws the switch in the trolley car scenario. Yeah, like he, exactly. he likes the idea of climate, or not likes, but he says that he thinks the world is going to change because of climate accelerationism. That climate change is basically going to push us over the brink. And that's kind of a neat trick because then it's nobody's fault and no one has to take any political action. We just wait for, you know, the sun to burn us to a crisp or whatever. Right, right. No, you it's like you you never have to be the one, like you said, that that flips the switch. You're never in the hot seat. You are never morally culpable for Mm -hmm. if things don't immediately become better for, you know, the vast majority of people. Mm-hmm. And I look, I've said this a million times. I completely understand why people don't want to be accelerationists and take on that moral responsibility, especially when, like myself, I'm relatively privileged. And am I advocating for a direction that's going to weigh heavily on people who aren't me? Is that ethical? Is that right? You know, I don't want to, I frankly don't want to throw the switch either. But I can be honest about what the implications of, of if nobody throws the switch, how this is going to go down and how it, outlook is not good <laughs> um and like just how i see it all playing out you know and i just i wish yeah, it was just yeah. a little bit more transparency like i mean I, I appreciate him admitting that he thinks that it's going to come with climate um accelerationism but i would like i would like to hear people in his position say maybe maybe more lives would be saved if we did another like a like a political accelerationism and I appreciate, like, maybe I understand why you support voting for a third party or withholding your votes for Biden or whatever, because that is the project there. That is the goal. I am not personally willing to take those kinds of risks, but I appreciate that that's I, – I understand your strategy, and I'm not – I don't think you're a fascist for wanting to do that strategy. I disagree, right. but you're not a fascist. That's, that's, all that, that's all I'm wanting out of the conversation, you know. I And I – I think that is an incredibly reasonable and tempered ask. Um, so, you know, kudos. And that, that was really all I wanted to, to talk about. But thank you again for the incredible episodes the last few weeks. Oh, cool beans. Thanks for calling in. Keep the faith. All right. All right. All right. Oh, I see Brian's coming up. I'm excited about that. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is tricky. Oh, there's good faces, but then there's new faces. And then I like, I think I already called on everyone. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I lied. I lied. Uh, Newsrot, what is on your mind? Also, is that Jason in the chat that I saw back there? 
Jason, is this you? I'm bringing you up to speak. Okay, go ahead, Nusrat. Uh, am I pronouncing your name? I'm sorry. I know I've asked you this before. Yeah, yeah. Nusrat. Okay, great. What's on your mind? Um, I was just because Serene was talking about um, South Asians not liking our own kind. <laughs> and, um, and I've noticed this phenomenon a lot um, with, I guess, Americans. Because I had um, an American friend. She's Bangladeshi like me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but she's from New York and she came over to Toronto to spend some time. And we went to this, um, cause there's a lot of South Asians in Canada more so mm -hmm. than in, in the States. And so one thing that she said, um, we went to this museum and the security guards and the staff were, uh, it, it was the Aga Khan museum. So already was a, it was a museum of Islamic artifacts, mm -hmm. um, in Toronto so these the the personnel were um largely south asian and she says to me hey you guys have very good looking desi people with like some surprise and i and it just brought me back to like the high school days where we used to think like south asian kids used to think that we weren't very attractive mm -hmm. and this sort of self-loathing and so when you know people say oh this person reminds me of my brother i could po i couldn't possibly go out with them i feel like that's just a way to lie <laughs> and just mm -hmm. to say i'm not attracted to them mm -hmm. um but um i don't know i feel like the older you get um some of that like self-loathing kind of goes away and you you know, it's already awkward being a teenager and also just being South Asian. It is such a suffocating like culture to be brought up in um, with like such strict parenting that um, we don't really get the, the chance to date. Like I still am terrified of like admitting that I've dated because if mm -hmm. my dad hears this, like I'm 29, I live alone, mm -hmm. but I, could, I still can't tell my dad that I've dated, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so there's that phenomenon. But the other thing I want to talk about was what do you think of like Indian matchmaking style matchmaking where it doesn't have to just be like within the South Asian community, but mm -hmm. my friend, she was telling me because dating has been a disaster for me. Um, and she was like, you know, what you need is like older people who know good boys who can like set you up, mm -hmm. you know, like aunties will set you up because um, be we have this aversion, like young South Asian people, because uh, again, it's like, there's this like sort of arranged marriage is kind of like forced marriage stereotype. Mm -hmm. And so, but my friend, she was like, well, there's no difference between if I set you up with one of my boyfriend's friends mm -hmm. and if your mom's friend happens to know her dental hygienist's son, you know, and yeah. they happen to be from the same community. Like, you still have a chance to, like, get to know each other. Um, but because it's like it, an elder of the community has set you up with someone. It's considered an arranged marriage. Yeah. So I was thinking like, what do you think of the idea of like more like going to um, elders? I'm super jealous. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to be glib. I know, you know, it's complicated and there are degrees of arrangedness and, you know, yeah. 
I don't know, for lack of a better word, forcedness. And I think that, you know, to the extent that there's a network of people, you know, a network of people in a community, in a a diasporatic community that are able to figure out, you know, who would be good and set up their, their kids based on criteria that I, I frankly think are a lot more reasonable than the criteria than some of us use for ourselves. Like I have never been set up and I don't care if it's by my mom or whomever. I would love to be set up. Are you kidding me? Like I watch every, yeah. <laughs> I watch every Indian dating show <laughs> jealous as hell <laughs> that I don't have someone who is looking out for me in that way. So again, I don't want to be like glib, too glib about it. And there's complexities and we all watch the whole news cycle about the Swedish complexion stuff. And, you know, everybody, everybody's community has got their stuff. Yeah. But I, I, I think that I like part of the issue, part of what we're all describing, the people calling in from various cities where they think there's not enough like-minded people and stuff is that we are all like balkanized and separated and we feel like we're lacking community and this is an issue with organizing as leftists and this is an organ an issue with like finding one's own peers and one's social life as well and to the extent that like you know south asian communities and the and the diaspora in particular are able to create a network to find the needle in the haystacks for their kids and as a minority in the population. Like, I love that. I will say there's a, there's a black version of it kind of called Jack and Jill, but it's very bourgeois. They didn't want our family to be in it. That we weren't, when we were a young family and my parents were like a research chemist and a grad student, we weren't eligible basically. Um, but like, there are some people like, it's like a black thing that helps middle-class black people basically find each other in predominantly white environments. It's not explicitly about dating, but it has that aspect. Um, and I, I think despite like the class problems with Jack and Jill, it is, I don't know, I, I have a hard time being mad at it. Yeah, well, I mean, I will say that when you said like the criteria, like the criteria that we select on is also very class-based, though. It's yeah. very much, you know, education and this and that. And like, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. Um, and it, 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 it's very, very conservative. Um, and it was funny in the chat, there was one person who was like, oh, I'd love, I'd love to have like be set up by Indian aunties, but I don't think they would like accept me. And they're not Indian themselves. And that's the other thing though, is that like, your Indian auntie is not going to set you up with like her Jamaican friend's son. Like it's still very, I guess, racist. Um, But sure. I mean, but the point, look, I, I understand. I think, look, I am someone who finds value in dating someone of my own ethnic background. I like having the sense of simpatico and understanding. I would like to be able to sing baby songs together when they come on the radio. I value that shared experience. I value not having to explain hair and things because it's tiring because I already live in a country that's predominantly white and I would like to come home in an ideal world to a house that isn't. However, I mean, that's not the be all end all. I've obviously dated many you know, at this point, non-white people, I mean, sorry, non-black people. And that is what it is. But I, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, like, I don't have a problem with, I see the value of 
even if my reasons might be different from the Indian auntie's reasons of wanting to set someone up who shares the cultural background. Mm-hmm. I, and like, it's an option at very least. I'm dating on the apps and I'm also getting these setups and I get to choose among, from among these options. I don't mm-hmm. see the problem with expanding the field. Is, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> it's hard out there for a pimp, you know? Yeah, fair enough. Well, that's. I all. mean, have you have you experienced um, any uh, attempted setups? Um. Well, actually, I've only recently come around to the idea um, because I've had a lot of people who tried to set me up, like a lot of aunties. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, I was still like in university and stuff, and so um, and. The thing is, my parents eloped. They didn't have an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. They actually eloped. And so I was just like, and ev- like everybody thinks that's really gangster of my mom to do that. So at <laughs> the time, I was just like, I am such a nerd. I cannot have my mom be cooler than me um, in every aspect of her, you know, of our lives. So no, but now I'm kind of considering it like as I get older, you know, being 29, mm-hmm. Um it seems like, yeah, there's, it's, it's a, it's a safer bet just because people are there to vouch for the other person, you know, mm-hmm. it's like character reference. And so it the safety aspect. I really appreciate of that, of like, mm-hmm. um, and people, and because your families get involved, there's no ghosting there. Like there's much mm-hmm. more like from the other friends that have been, uh, you know, who've dated that way. Um, it's it's just a much more civilized <laughs> approach mm-hmm. because everybody also, to the extent that the families already decided they like each other. That's such a big sticking point in so many relationships, like in-laws yeah. not getting along and weird clashes, whether they're cultural clashes or just temperament clashes, style clashes. Like it can feel like such an easy glide. Like it can feel like such an easy thing to fall into when everyone in the family approves and gets along. Yep. And I will say that, like, especially being Muslim, like the level of religiosity, right? Like wearing the hijab, wearing not, not wearing the hijab. Like there's like, we also match based on like conservatism on that level as well. Mm -hmm. And so I've had friends who've struggled. um, Like, let's say their partners, parents are more religiously like conservative. And so they're, partners parents disapproved of their parenting and like the moms didn't get along because one mom was like wearing jeans and the other one wore traditional garb mm-hmm. so there's also that of like self-selecting mm-hmm. for like in strata so it's not just like economic strata but also like real religious strata i guess stratification that way mm-hmm. um which makes things easier like how how strict are you going to be with raising the, the grandkids and all of that stuff yeah um so yeah, that's definitely nothing. So, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that perspective a great deal. I think there's a lot to learn from a lot of different takes because I got to say, there was a time when everyone kind of looked down their nose at arranged marriages and was like, oh, this is fascism and oh, this is so conservative and oppressive. But I don't know that the West is actually winning out here with these apps. <laughs> And people out here are having AI girlfriends and there's like a real struggle bus happening. So I think that everyone needs to just reflect on all the things we can learn from different yeah. approaches and keep an open mind. Talk to your aunties. Seriously, they're treasure troves. <laughs> all right. Thank yeah. you so much for calling in. Take care. Bye. Keep the faith. Bye-bye. 
All right. We have got <laughs> the most spicy of our panelists, perhaps. Although Ole gave you a good run for your money. Jason Miles is in the speaker queue along with Pascal Robert, both from This Is Revolution podcast. How are you holding up? Yes, yes, in the house, in the house. (laughs) We're good, we're good. This is Revolution Podcast taking over. (laughs) This is, is, yeah, take over. So, I, I, yes. I watched mm-hmm. the whole uh, the whole segment of Marks and Singles. Like I say, my man Jason represented for the <laughs> as I expected, sitting straight out here. But I got to tell you, Brianna, I'm gonna. I, I don't want to, you know, bum rush your your, your moment because I know this is your 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 place to shine. There was something you spoke about in the in the segment that resonated so much with me. I don't know if you know this, but I went to Boston University School of Law, which, as you know, is across the river Mm -hmm. from Harvard Law School. Mm -hmm. And I was at BU Law in the 90s. And when I was at BU, I had a kind of a crew of my frat brothers who were all in grad school at Boston. So we kind of like relived a second undergrad experience while we were all in grad school. So we partied, Mm -hmm. chased women and a lot of stuff. So we used to like date a lot of Harvard Law School women. And Mm -hmm. everything you said absolutely was true about the colorism, the classism. Let me give you an anecdote about the first Mm -hmm. party I went to at Harvard Law School, my first year of law school. So I told Jason about this earlier. So I go into this party at Harvard Law School sponsored by the Black Law Students Association. Mm -hmm. And again, like five light-skinned guys. And then further down on the wall, there are two dark-skinned dudes. Mm-hmm. I see a whole swarm of Harvard Law School women look at these light-skinned dudes like they were cat. Wait, you got you cut out like they were cat what? what? A plantation hierarchy am I seeing? <laughs> wait, wait, you cut out a little bit for me, you, Pascal. Like they looked out, like dude. they were cat what? I said it looked like it was some kind of like plantation hierarchy in terms of like how they were looking at these light skinned guys and they were dripping in gold as if they were, (laughs) you know, the Mm. keys to success. And I remember when when I was, you know, when we used to go to parties at Harvard, I was like, do they have a color, like application kind of system where you have to be a certain complexion? Because all of of the women there were all light skinned. Were they yeah, hot? it was like honestly, from from my perspective, it was worse in college than it was in law school. Um, I found that the law students, there was more, you know, diversity to their educational background before they came to Harvard Law. You know, they came from all different kinds of schools, different parts of the country. I mean, there's obviously an overselection from the Ivy League, but like I found the people who did not have an Ivy League undergrad or who took years off, maybe they were in the military, maybe they had a real job, whatever. Those were like refreshingly normal black people and i realized oh it's not black people (laughs) that are like these bourgeois black people that are the problem per se it's these harvard undergrads that i and some of them are very nice i'm sorry if you went to college with me and you're very nice i'm sure people grew out of it and you're all very nice now whatever but at the time i felt very cliquish it felt like they all were in on something they all knew each other it seemed like before they came to campus i don't know if it's because of the cotillions they went to or their Jack and Jill or what, or maybe they just all met pre-fosh weekend and had a good light skin time together. And I just wasn't, <laughs> I missed the email. 
Well, listen, you said something. I, I listened when you were mentioning Jack and Jill. I have a, one other anecdote. I'm going to let you and Jason kind of take over. <laughs> one of my frat brothers was dating a woman whose grandmother was the founder of Jack and Jill. She mm. was a fair complexion sister, but she had very kind of radical, very down kind of politics. You know, mm. she was very much not into the elite bougie stuff. So, mm. you know, she was hanging out with a bunch of us at his place and she said something that's off the cuff. And I, I was shocked that she was so transparent. She said, my grandmother founded Jack and Jill so light-skinned, bougie black children didn't have to play with poor, dark-skinned black kids. Mm-hmm. Is that I'm not surprised tear, by that. Is that when a tear rolled down your cheek, Pascal? <laughs> nah, like the Indian man in that commercial? Like, I was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the honesty. You know, I mean, you gotta say, I come from a Haitian background, like, I have bougie Negroes in the family, but there's a Caribbean kind of flavor to it, so I understand the dynamic. But it's, it's, I, the Jason knows me, I have an instinctual reversion against bourgeois black people because I've seen it in my family, both on my father's and my mother's side. And I just, it, it, it's, there's nothing, you know, more contemptuous to me than a black person who's on airs of being like bourgeois because of their proximity to. European accoutrement. I just, and I'm sorry. That it, it just, I, it, it revolves yeah. to me. Yeah. Isn't there that whole thing in Haiti also, Pascal, where my mom says she'll go, you know, she, you know, she had to go for work a lot uh, with the UN in various crises, unfortunately. And one of her colleagues was Haitian and they used to talk about how they would go and when she went, like hung out with her, you know, middle class, upper middle class Haitian friend and went into her social circles, every single woman who had achieved a certain degree of professional financial educational success or whatever was married to a white French man, including my mom's friend and that they were all very light skinned women and that their kids were all quarter black or less. And like there, it was like amazing to watch this like sea of couples that all kind of looked the same. Have you like? Is that a, something that you observed? There's definitely a, a class colorism phenomenon that exists in Haiti. I mean, if you ever read uh, Franz Fanon's "Black Skins, White Mass," he ta- mm-hmm. he basically talks about this in Martinique about how there was this kind of. Uh, how white men, French men in Martinique were at the top of the dating food chain and elite, even generally fair complexion or elite Martinican women would kind of rust after them. That exists in Haiti as well, but there's an overall class paradigm of color that goes back to not only the Haitian Revolution, but before. Because you gotta remember, at one point, Haiti was literally geographically divided in a civil war amongst different colors. I mean, a lot of people fail to realize this, but during the 13 years of the Haitian Revolution, there was literally one year where there was a civil war between light-skinned mulatto blacks and the the army of Toussaint Louverture. So Mm -hmm. part of the whole undoing of the revolutionary project was the inability to, to... to neutralize these class color tensions that even go back to before the revolution. And it spills over into like Louisiana Creole society because Mm -hmm. many of the Creoles that came to Louisiana were actually immigrants who left Haiti during the Haitian Revolution. So you see mm-hmm. a lot of, I, I talked to Torrey Reed and Adolf about this, because I always say, I always consider you guys like bastard children of the Haitian Revolution because all of those <laughs> fatalities spill over into Louisiana, you know, and that's why a lot of the class, because people always ask me, like, why am I so, like, obsessed with class? Damn it. 
Pascal, we Asian. lost I've you. I've seen this my whole life in terms of my mm-hmm. background, mm-hmm. and I understand the damage it can do in terms of creating a politics that are so uh, just horrible for the majority of black folk who are poor and working class. Yeah, yeah. This is why, I mean, some, part of the, this, like, oh, interracial versus non-interracial conversation, like, there's plenty of problems within <laughs> one's own racial group. There's, like, there's no escaping. That's why I say on the podcast, you can't, like, date your way out of it. Like, you can't date your way out of the white supremacy that's affect. I'm sorry, like, the, the cultural stereotypes, the racial stereotypes that have infected the dating market. Like, there's no escaping it. You just got to contend with it on a person-by-person person basis. Speaking of, let's get Brian into the chat. How are you doing, Brian? Long time no chat. Yeah, happy new year. I've been busy dating Asians. It's going horrible. <laughs> um. <laughs> right on. You're like, you're, people in the comments earlier were talking about the perniciousness of uh, racial hierarchies in the gay dating world. Um, so good, good for you. Right on. Play it forward. Yeah. Um, so I'm here to represent for the LGBTQI plus folks on this call in. So hey, everybody. But... <laughs> I actually wanted to focus a little bit more on the age talk. Sure. Um, and I was wondering, if, and not to get anybody like Donald Glover dogpiled on Twitter for like <laughs> opining about a community that's not theirs, but mm-hmm. do you think that the age difference with Leo DiCaprio and his current girlfriend or whatever is equally pr- uh, problematic, to use a cliche word, when it's like, a queer couple. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, do you think there's a manipulation uh, uh, part of the whole thing when you're like 30 years older than your partner? Um, I think that things have changed over time and because like queer acceptance has sort of increased over time mm-hmm. that it's less permissible. But I can say when I was 19, I was in like several situations with people much older than me and maybe I'm in denial or whatever, but I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I was taken advantage of or that it scarred me or that there was any, any lasting damage to like my soul. I mean, I asked that question because, you know, I I was probably the one that, that brought up, had the most kind of beef with that whole thing. And I don't think it's a, it's a gender thing. I don't think if it's a heterosexual or, or, or gay couple, it really makes a difference. You know, if you're 55 years old, what are you really going to get out of being with a 19-year-old and vice versa? But does it change the dynamic for you, Jason, if, like, I'm sorry to be reductive about men, but, like, if it really is more explicitly, straightforwardly about sex on both sides? Because mm-hmm. the implication with the man-woman dynamic is that the woman wants more. Like, that's the presumption. So while we all presume that what, what Leo's getting out of it is sex, that there's always going to be something lopsided because she's not just wanting sex. She's wanting something else that there's he's a, not willing to give her because they're not, and that, and, cause they're not equals. There's he's never going to give her because they're not equals. There's usually a power dynamic there, right? If you're 19, you're really not controlling much if you're dating someone that's in their late 40s or 50s. But if it's just the sex that you want. Then you really, you're controlling 19, the sex. But you 19, like the sex. No, are you controlling the sex? So that's the thing. Are uh, you really controlling the sex at 19? I mean, uh, if you want to have sex with someone and you have sex with someone, what's the issue? If it truly is all that you want, and we can complicate that. But like, 
and I don't mean to say that every young gay guy who gets with an older gay guy only wants sex, but you know, I, I have I have had gay friends basically say this to me that they have, it's like a rite of passage. They've gone through the experience of dating older guys when they were younger, especially when they were less experienced or where it was less, you know, safe to be out of the closet. You know, you know, some years ago when there weren't apps, you know, that they felt like they were kind of shepherded through into the, the process of coming out, as it were, with the help of older gays in the community. And that, like, they look back at that with nothing but, like, positive feelings, and they don't feel like it was exploitative in the least. But that's anecdotal. Yeah, but that's what we've got. Brian's sitting here telling us that's how yeah. it went for him. And I've heard, it's not the first time I've heard that story. No, it's not. Because, like, for queer people, like, there's a lot that we just can't learn through, like, sex education classes and, like... Um, but there's no just, there's no heterosexual 19-year-old that's really learning learning how to deal with 40-year-old through sex ed classes. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jason, the, the argument is that they are, like, the schools are not, I mean, maybe now they are, but maybe now they're not because Ron DeSantis or whatever. But the schools are not telling you about gay sex or how anything works. So, you know, where else are you going to learn stuff but through... The kindness of older strangers. <laughs> I mean, again, it's one of those things where it's, it sounds really manipulative. I mean, what if I was going around going, hey, little girl, are you 18? All right. Well, what's what's the manipulation? Right? That again, kid like, doesn't know what he's doing. But that's the <laughs> like, thing. Like, the presumption is that the 18-year-old wants something more than sex. And we can complicate that and problematize that. But, like, I think that's the fundamental presumption. Mm -hmm. that, like, I do. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. Yeah. I do have ambivalent feelings about this, like, for real, though, because, like, now that I'm in my 30s, um, like, I still keep in touch with this guy. Mm -hmm. So, like, um, like we were talking, like, I think in 2021, and he was like, oh, yeah, I've been talking to this guy, and um, he was like, come to my college dorm, and I don't want to do that. And I'm just like, um, you were, like, 25 years older when we met, so now you're, like, <laughs> starting to date people, like, almost 35, 40 years older than you. So it is getting a little weird. And I, mm. I think I think that there are multiple reasons, like, why this happens. Like, I do think that, like, what FD said about and Jason said about power control is a part of it. I also think that it has to do with, like, a lot of, like, stunted growth and, like, mm -hmm. a lot of, like, like, mental health, like, trauma stuff about, like, getting older and, like, mm. the lack of, like, the unwillingness to accept like getting older because like this guy that like i'm so cool with he does look really good and he looks way younger than his age but like at this point he's 60. so so mm -hmm. yeah i don't have like a clean like black and white answer well i don't i don't know if there's guy. but would you say that there probably is no clean black and white answer because i think brie does bring up a good point that you know um it might be a little more common um in your community, but I mean, where I live here in Mexico, it's also pretty common to see, you know, pretty fat age discrepancies in relationships when I'm walking around the street as well. Even um, in heterosexual couples? Even in heterosexual couples, yeah. Um, and it definitely has a, a kind of manipulating feeling to it all. Um, and I had my, you know, anecdote about the person I was walking down the, the street with that was attracted to these very young mm -hmm. uh, under, underage underage young women um so there's there's a there's a power dynamic there that we kind of have to to admit and you know i'm just real anti-manipulation even if people are my own age and i know they're going through like some sort of trauma and maybe um 
maybe they shouldn't just date right now and <laughs> maybe I should just walk away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the one other thing that comes to mind is that, and this is like a tricky something, but like, I do think there's a aspect of trauma coming from the, a, a behavior being socially stigmatized. So while I kind of believe that there are these intrinsic power imbalances where statutory rape is, always bad and you know should be legal and people shouldn't do it sometimes i wonder like how much of this how much is the person who might not even remember a trauma like maybe they were too young and this is horrible but you know how much of it is comes from the fact that we live in a society that has said that that's the worst thing that can happen to you and you have to live with the weight of like feeling ruined and sullied because society tells you you're ruined and sullied and so if you're in a, in a context where it's very, very normalized for young gay men to have experiences with older gay men, and there's like no social stigma about it, at least in the context of your community, does that affect how much people see that experience as traumatic in the first place? And is there such thing as an objective underlying traumatic thing? And how much of it that is like a, a cultural creation? Was ancient Greece with their like boy lovers everywhere objectively bad and pedophilia everywhere was it it's like a cultural context that we have trouble understanding and wrestling with like i don't like i don't know man like i don't I mean, know it's it's not ancient greece we have indoor plumbing now we have to not look back well, to ancient they greece. Have some indoor plumbing too i mean they invented aquifers but i take your point <laughs> like, let's 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 stay in the modern context here we have we have brian on the phone and <laughs> yeah he can, he can give us some context um, well, somebody in the chat wanted to talk about gay black men. I don't want to get dogpiled either, but this guy that is much older than me is a gay black man. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess that there's that. And I just want to say as a side note to Brianna, if you move to California, I would move too. And we could do fun things like watch the Whitney Houston movie together because wasn't it so much better than like you expected? Oh, my God. I Did I tell you guys I cried? Me too. Oh God, really? <laughs> I, I don't cry. Like, I did not expect this. Tears are running down my face. I was, like, grieving her loss. I didn't get to mourn her properly because I was studying for the bar exam when she died. But, like, <laughs> I, I thought they did such an a amazing job of just really showcasing what a talent she was and what we lost. Just straight up humanizing the gift that she had. And how tragic it was to lose that and what but her contributions you, were to the music. But did you watch the Bobby Brown special on Lifetime? Wait, which one? Because there have been a number of these. There was like a four-part one or something like that. I don't, I don't think so. Oh, now I see the problem here. I think they're pretty fair <laughs> to Bobby, to be honest. I don't blame Bobby. I don't blame Bobby at all. No I mean, I don't think Bobby's like no a saint. Sorry? There's no reason to blame Bobby. No, and I, I think the movie did a good job of not blaming Bobby. She was doing drugs long before Bobby, and apparently yes. she's the one that introduced hard drugs into the equation. He was nowhere to be found. One. Sorry? I said, I don't know if I believe that one. Well, he was doing drugs, but she... He was doing it, drugs, too. But she uh, she accelerated him into taking him into a more experimental path with that. He was not the one who introduced her to drugs at all. No, he wasn't, and no. he wasn't there when she died, and... I, like, I hate to be morbid about it, but he's still with us. Right. And he's kind of trying to get his, his act together as well, too. That that he's poor daughter of theirs is not with us. Winnie's mm. not with us. Didn't he just Bobby's lose a son, standing. too? Didn't, Bobby Brown just, didn't they just lose a son, too? Or I, I think that might be right. 
Not yeah. not Whitney's son. Whitney only had the one child, but yeah, he he lost his son, didn't he? Yeah, plus Bobby Christina. So it's, Oof. it's, it's tough. It's been tough. Yeah. Oof. Drugs, right? Was it drugs? I don't remember. Oof. But finally, Brie, on a lighter note, um, if you do want to be on like one of the uh, dating matchmaking shows, I have a part-time job now as a background actor, and I see like on Casting Network, um, like a lot of listings for it. So I'm pretty sure if you apply, they would definitely consider you. LOL. Well, I don't know that I'm in that part of my um, fall from grace. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, but I, before, the before times when I was an anonymous lawyer, when when that black um, bachelorette happened, we were the same age, Rachel, and she was a lawyer, and she was 33, and I was 33, and I just really loved her, and I dreamed of being on the bachelorette. But the problem was an inventory problem. They did not give her a single eligible partner. They just didn't. Mm. You could see from day one, like, it, this ain't it. Like, nobody here is it. And I could have picked Rachel a good man. I knew exactly what Rachel needed because I am Rachel. <laughs> and if I could have gone through all of those applications, I could have stacked the deck more in her favor. But as it is, she had to pick that. Oh, his name was Brian, right? Brian, the cardiologist. No, he was like a podiatrist, uh, a chiropractor or something in Miami. She picked the best option that was available to her. But they did not. They gave her black men. I don't know. Like sometimes I feel like these producers don't know how to pick. They don't. They don't know how to tell black people apart. Like they just weren't doing it right. I could have done it. I could have helped Rachel. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe you'd be a producer for the next season. Maybe. But maybe we need to do our own dating on the left dating show. That would be amazing. I want to. I'll help. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. <laughs> nice All right. It's a, always a pleasure, Brian. Take care, Brian. Right. I used to date uh, the one of the producers on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. How was that? I'm not, she telling I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> you know was she the first one? Who? Sylvester. The singer? What, what's on your mind? <laughs> no, Sylvester. You California Sylvester. What's so on your mind tonight? Real. <laughs> Sorry, Sylvester. Oh, did we? Hey, was Sylvester, we? unmute yourself, my friend. Sylvester, you need to unmute. Sylvester, what's going on? Sylvester, did, I will did I keep you singing. I will keep singing disco classics if you don't get on the phone. Lord, Sylvester, save us. You make me feel. <laughs> my, oh my goodness. Sylvester was a jam. Sylvester, you are killing us right now. Okay, that was I'm gonna bring Rika up. Sylvester, get it back in line um, when you start focusing on this again, and I'll call you up. But Rika, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, Bree. Um, I, per usual, love these dating um, and politics and leftist shit episodes that you got going on. Um, also, really appreciated the humor and levity jason that you brought to the episode hey thank you very um, much Rick. i appreciate yeah that. um i was just curious so a lot of like the times when we were having these conversations we we're talking about like political alignment um mm. like around whether or not you know you're a leftist or not but i'm also thinking of like cultural practices like openness and open relationships and like poly and all that stuff i'm just curious what your what your all thoughts are on that is that something that 
I mean, you're out there on the West Coast, uh, Jason. I feel like there's a lot yeah. more what flexibility. I don't know. People, I don't know. I feel like I live in very conservative areas. Where I never, like, remember the first episode we did with um, uh, Kate Willett? And she was like, everybody I date is like a poly skateboarder from Brooklyn who says they want an open relationship. But oh, just wants to I, met, chicks. I, met a, I met a poly woman on the dating app the other day, and we had a real interesting phone call what what is interesting she was not filipino jesus christ she was not filipino there's like no filipinos here which is in mexico no no Uh, they give me san diego okay all right okay yeah but like the the point was that um i despite that being uh kate's experience i i don't think i've ever i don't think i've ever just encountered anybody who was poly or open or it's just never come up. It's never been an issue. You don't look hard enough because I've been running into those people for the last 10 years. When I was well, are you tour. looking for them? No, we would just stay with them. We were on tour. Like people would be like, oh, come crash at our house. And this is my other wife. I'm like, no shit. That seems like a nightmare. I did a woman who was for a while. Okay. How was that, Pascal? It was, it was hard for me to, uh, to deal with that, man. It was not... Uh, I'm a little bit more conservative. I'm a lot more conservative. She was not swinging at the time we were dating, but she had told me that she had been a swinger and that, you know, she had stopped the lifestyle, but she didn't say that she would not go back to it. She tried, she was interested in seeing if I was interested in getting into the lifestyle. And it was just, yeah, it, did, it didn't work out for me, man. Just, um, Rika, can I ask you a question? To Pascal's thing. So Pascal is saying swinger, and that dates us. And and totally younger (laughs) people say, "Okay, Rika, let's be real for a second. Let's be real, Rika. Help, help me, please help me. I'm an old man. I don't know any better. Yeah, what you like fifty now? Is that what we were talking about? Like, like hey, hey, I'm forty five. Goddammit, I'm forty (laughs) five. But but, no, it's fine. It's fine. Real talk. Can we just say that swing, is Swinger and Polly the same thing, or is there really a difference? Oh, no, it's so different. It's Explain so- to me the difference. Explain to me. Help me out. Help me so out. Like, Help everybody out. Well, my understanding is that swinging doesn't necessarily imply, like, being in a relationship with someone. Like, if you're swinging, you can just, like, you know, you're just kind of hooking up. No, you're not necessarily in a committed partnership with someone. But if you're polyamorous, you're in, like, usually committed relationship with more than one person um swinging is like casually hooking up with people you may or may not be in a relationship with someone but you're definitely just casually hooking up with people so if you're polyamorous can you only hook up with someone that you're in love with can you just see somebody no your partner yeah okay yeah you can be but isn't that tomato at this point rika is that tomato (laughs) it's just like it's just like I, I know because I think people who are in poly relationships don't necessarily like their boundaries of their relationships could be that they're exclusive still, but they're just with exclusive with the triad or da- like the, if they're in like a four person relationship, I'll be completely honest. I've never been in a poly situationship before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just like dated openly multiple people at once kind of thing but like i've never been in a committed relationship with anyone but my understanding is that people who are in poly relationships they're oftentimes just the three or whatever the configuration is so rika i gotta ask you this last question let me ask Mm -hmm. you this question this is a serious question i'm not fucking with you okay so talking to this woman 
seems like a cool woman. The pictures, she's she's a very attractive woman. Pascal, I will send you the pictures so you can see. You have to always okay these things for me. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's how I live my life, Bree. So, Rika, hold on. <laughs> being serious, Rika. So, the, okay. the, the late, the late, she tells me, she goes, I'm in a committed relationship with a, a man, and he, and he lives in another state, but I'm in a, I'm, I, I love him, but I am open to loving someone else. Mm-hmm. Are you open to that? And I was like, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Like, am I open to you loving me, or am I open to loving you? Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, you know, do you think I can't love you? And I said, well, I don't know what you can do. I mean, maybe you can, but it seems kind of complicated. Like, we'd have to have logistics for that. And I didn't know there was a lot of logistics involved in love. Oh, yeah. And she goes, no, 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 there, there would be some logistics. But, you know, would you be willing to love? And I was like, look, if something really wonderful happens in my life, and I wanted to share that with you, and I call you up, and I'm like, hey, I just, I just did Brianna Joy Gray show. It's going to be huge for me and my career. And, and, you know, I have a mild crush on Brianna, and she tried to shoot me down, but that's not the point right now. I did the show. Is It was great. Uh, I'd, I'd, let's celebrate for dinner. And you say, I can't do that because my out-of-town number one is here. Mm-hmm. Maybe after he leaves, just hold that feeling of joy. And then after he leaves, um, I can spend some time with you. So wait, you're mad that that she is in a relationship with somebody else? So that you I just can't say, why you say mad? Your crush on don't me? Put, don't put. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you're really built for this poly situation. Actually. <laughs> but is that Rika? Is that fucked up? Though I was like, I was like, it seems like this is you know. No, nothing messed up I, about it because she's being transparent. Yeah, I don't. I didn't say I, messed up. I just said, does that seem cool? Like, why would I? Why? How could I fall in love with that? No, I. I think that is precisely why I asked because I feel like in a lot of at least circles that I inhabit. I mean, I'm I'm queer as fuck, and like we, you know, everyone's out here trying to do all kinds of shit with their relationships, and Word. I feel like the poly open relationships are kind of place as like a progressive radical thing now but I think sometimes they're way more complicated than what people afford it and um, but we I don't think in some of the less queer spaces those conversations happening around like open relationships or mm-hmm. poly relationships that's why I'm asking all kind of like where where you all where you all fit and where that fits in terms of your own personal preferences. Well, the thing is interesting. Uh, yeah. is I, Go ahead. I'm I sorry. Know, uh, I have uh, friends of mine in the Muslim community who have a uh, polygamous situation. They have more than one wife. They have mm. multiple wives. And mm. uh, it's an interesting dynamic to watch. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, in, in the Islamic context, there are clear, strict, like, economic requirements. You mm-hmm. should be able to economically care for your wife. You have to be able to provide for them, so on and so forth. They, they should be able to have their own shelter, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, I still find that oftentimes I hear, you know, jealousy comes to play and all that. But I think that those kind of contexts can work if there's a kind of strict spiritual set of ordinances that govern the behavior that's a lot different than simply be like hey i'm feeling like you know i've got my my woman here and i'm going to hook up with another woman over there or i'm a woman and i got my man here and i want to hook up with another guy over there that's not something that really has a kind of clear 
definitive set of boundaries in terms of how it functions as a social institution. As but these to- poly people, though, Pascal, like they, they really contemporary poly people and ethical non-monogamy. I mean, they have written a million books and I'm not saying it always works or that people follow the rules, but they've they've really worked hard to protect against the obvious risks of polyamory and jealousy and to come up with their own kind of code of conduct that makes it as ethical and, and rigorous as possible. So I think it's, it's possible to do it. And I mean, I, I've watched like enough sister wives. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like, no joke, no joke. Like, in, the, in the early days, it was like, Oh, they got a new wife. I'm kind of jealous. Wife. Like he's supposed to spend these, the sleeping schedule, but he did spend an extra night at like Rachel's house and I'm jealous or whatever. But after, as the show has worn on, and they're clearly all getting older, they all got a ton of kids, and no one's trying to have sex with this man. Damn. Like the women have come together. No one wants him to stay in their room, especially. Damn. <laughs> and they're all glad to get a break from him. And like they seem to have like a legitimate like situation where they all help with each other's kids. One woman was kind of infertile, but she's got all the other kids around and it like kind of doesn't even matter. Like they work and they share childcare responsibilities and cooking responsibilities. And they clearly rely on each other and kind of love each other more. than They do this like doofus husband that they've married. And so like, there's something to that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. So you want to marry a guy for the girl power? Like that, you could be wife number eight for the girl power. I'm just saying that I talk all the time with my best friend about having a commune and <laughs> like hey, uh, I got you know, I, I can send you a Quran, do some Islamic. <laughs> See, I, I'm not I'm not interested in that. Like I'm I'm interested in having a, a cohort of women that I'm committed to in like raising a dog or buying a house with them. But I'm not mm-hmm. interested in committing to a man in that way because what is that giving me? Like I I would rather have the flexibility to date and continue to have my relationships, my like fit, like intimate relationships separate and apart from like the homesteading. Yeah. So you want like Wonder Woman's planet? That's where you want? I mean, I don't know that I want any of it, but like if I'm the, the, the reason that I'm not interested in polyamory is because I don't like, I, I, I'm going to be honest with this, the fact that I'm not trying to share a man with anybody. You say so, you're not like, trying to share God, God you with anybody? People. You say you're not he, trying to share you with anybody. If he wants to share me with other people, like if he's not, if he's comfortable with me seeing other people, that seems like a pretty good situation for me. But I'm not doing it, and I don't want, expect anybody else to do it. Like, so, so, yeah. so Bree, is it safe to say you're kind of like into serial monogamy? That's kind of your thing, like more like you know. Like you date someone for a long time, you break up, then you date another person for a long time, then you break up, then you date. Sometimes, another sometimes for... it's not that long a time. I don't know. Well, I mean, it depends on what we like each other. One of the things I noticed on the show <laughs> that you said that your under, your, your, like your undergrad boyfriend, you dated for like five years. Like with my undergrad girlfriend, we dated for like four or five years, mm-hmm. and you know, then I had in, in law school, I was kind of not really seriously dating anyone, mm-hmm. and then after law school, I you know I had a couple of relations here, there, so on and so forth. But what I'm saying is that generally, in my more younger years, I was instead. I was less of a hound and more of a serial monogamy kind of guy who was like, okay, he's always got a girlfriend. As opposed to some guys I knew who would never have a girlfriend and they would just be out there doing their thing, or they may still have a girlfriend and still be out there doing their thing. So I just get a sense that you have more of a kind of serial monogamy kind of build. 
as opposed to being like one of those women who famously just loves to hook up with a bunch of dudes because that's so much fun. I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. I'm not judging. No, I'm not judging either, but like, it's not fun. Like, Wait, it's not fun. Like, of course you? I'm going to be serious with because men are horrible. And wow. the extent that you find one, I'm sorry, like, they're not, like, I'm not, I, like, I think, look, it would be, Can I, I would be great if I were lesbian. <laughs> like, wow. It would be. We're all rooting for you. Brie. Wow. <laughs> We're all rooting for you. Why do you, Brie, why do you act like, absolutely. hold on, Brie, why do you act like it's just, like, just dudes is going around just throwing dick everywhere? Because it's not, not, not worried about throwing dick. I'm worried about the fact that every other day I log onto Twitter and there's an am I the asshole that's about some dude that literally won't wa wash his ass. Wow. Look, I don't know what Twitter you see. For okay. real? Where you Cracks see is clean over here. Mexico. You guys saw it. You, Who the chat saw it. Asshole? Like, men are... Men are... <laughs> look, it's not your I fault. Think... Like, you're socialized that way, but like... I, I do very much... Wait, I let me think, caveat that. I very much enjoy the company of the gay men in my life. <laughs> I was going to say, Brie, we got to really think about... Like, I think straight men definitely have issues. Um, cis straight men especially. I think I, I think gay men, the issues that gay men have are, like, more related to this deep woundedness around being vulnerable in a way that is very different than straight men do. And I, and mm -hmm. I, it totally shows up, but my, I'm just curious about the um, political aspect. So we bring up a little bit like how everyone's looking for so many things. And then and when, when I was listening to the conversation, it had a lot to do with, honestly, like, I didn't really hear a lot about like, you know, y'all weren't talking about like, oh, so are you for reparations or not? You know, like, are you for this? Or, like, you all were talking more about, can you relate to me in a particular way? Mm -hmm. And I, I'm just curious about, are there, I guess, are there ways in which as you all progress, like where you've even let some of the politics stuff go? Because like for me, when I'm out here dating people, um, especially other gay men, I feel like I can't expect them to embrace this like anti-capitalist fervor i pray to god that they're like you know aware conscious enough of it to like not take um you know just be like a fucking zombie out here but mm -hmm. i i really can't expect people to just be like you know as to share my political worldview necessarily can so. i can i jump can i jump in here rika if you don't mind yeah um, I, I gotta say, and, and as I'm, pro I'm probably older than everyone on the phone right now, I'm sure I am. Um, I, you know, I went like Brianna law school. I practiced law, I had my own practice for a while. And I got, I, you know, I, I come from a family that has a lot of left politics. I have uncles who studied in the Soviet Union that are hardcore Marxists. But I, I went through the traditional socialization of kind of careerist, petit bourgeois, go to college. I was in a frat, go, you know, start your own practice or get a corporate job, make money. I never bought into it too much. But at the same time, as my politics became more more radical, I realized how much I found that type of worldview very, very empty. And I also found how little I found the ability to commune with those people 
in terms of just values. Now, I still mm-hmm. love a lot of my mm-hmm. friends from undergrad and law school, particularly my fraternity brothers. I love them, but I find that the institutional and, and organizational affiliations that they have and their class standing make it very hard for me to enjoy engaging in conversation outside of this frivolous talk. And mm-hmm. I've come to a point for me, I've realized in terms of women in my life, I'm not saying she has to be a hardcore leftist, Marxist, you know, you know, Pan-Africanist international, but mm-hmm. there's got to be some kind of simpatico worldview. She's got to have some level of radical politics. It doesn't have to be as radical as mine, but it's got to be anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist on some level. Now, if I'm dealing with a woman who's like a corporate attorney, but she's just doing this to pay the bills and she hates the system and we can agree on politics, that's cool. But if this, they are really into their job and they don't see a problem with the system and they don't have a remotely anti-status quo worldview, I just, there's no way I'm going to be able to date that person. Right. So then Pascal, is it just all conversation at the end of the day then? Because like, it, you know, how does, I guess I'm, I'm thinking of like the people I've dated in my life and they're like, you know, they're, for example, one was a server and a bartender and, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't necessarily, he was not college educated, but he like very much aspired to making money and getting wealth and wanting to become a real estate agent. Right. Mm-hmm. What, incredible human being. I would have dated him over and over again. Um, and, but we never really talked about like national politics, you know, we never talked about like the democratic part, you know, like that, the, mm-hmm. that level of stuff. And so to me on some level, it was just like, Oh, th- this is all conversations because it's, it's not really showing up in your life. It's only in my world where it's showing up, you know? And I guess, yeah, I'm just wondering to what extent are we, we're concerned about our political alignment in our relationships, but at the end of the day, is it just really based on whether or not we're able to have a conversation about the things we care about with our people, or is it really about how we're showing up in the world, right? Like, well, I, one, one thing I think Jay Shinkin probably knows about me because we've done it all, we've been doing this show for two years is that people always assume that I'm like, you know, he's the good cop, I'm the bad cop, I'm, the, I'm like, you know, the enforcer, and he's like, you know, Mr. Joy, which I think is an incorrect perception. But Very much so. That- one thing that people who know me know is that I don't I don't engage in light conversation. I'm a very jovial guy. I make jokes. I crack jokes. I'm much funnier than people assume that I am. I think Jason can attest to that as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't en- enjoy indulging in this frivolous, useless conversation over and over again. I'd rather make jokes about serious stuff than have frivolous conversation about unserious stuff. So that's why I found that the older I've gotten, the few people I reach out to to converse with and the more rich conversations I have with those few people. Like one of the things I love about Jason, Jason has basically no college education and I can have a deep conversation with Jason about anything that'll be deeper than 99% of my frat brothers who have PhDs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, yeah I say, can I say this, Rika? Rika, how, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 32. And was this was the person you're talking about around your age or a little younger? Oh, yeah. Yep, my age. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think I think there's also something to be said about life and mm-hmm. and not having things. And if you come from a certain environment where you really don't have anything and you're aspiring for more so you can't achieve something, um, it is hard to want to give a shit about things that really you don't control or have power over. And and I think that's where a lot of like the organizing talk kind of comes to a halt, especially because people don't know how to talk to people that don't give a shit about what they give a shit about because it just doesn't make sense in their world. Mm-hmm. If my bills are due, I kind of don't give a shit about what you say about the Democratic Party because it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter who's in power. These bills are still due. So there's probably a way to have certain conversations. It's probably annoying for people to hear shit that they don't really care about because ultimately, right, they want to improve their personal situation, improve their material conditions. And, uh, and I think these conversations can get better over time. But uh, I'm not real. I'm not real into you have to have my politics. I think I'm probably closer to Pascal with can you just be a decent person? You know, I can't date a Republican Trump loving, you know, Klansman, of course. But I also am not, you know, looking for Angela Davis Jr. See, for, for me, it's not even, it's, it's a little, it's nuanced. It's not about, like, do you agree with me or do you have politics per se, but mm-hmm. there's so much conflict in my life. I'm not trying to be in a space where if I just casually drop an opinion or, you know, if, if I'm watching the Super Bowl and I make a joke about, oh, look, the deep state is trying to desensitize us to the Boston Robotics robots uh, performing alongside Jason Derulo, <laughs> I don't really want to field a half hour of questions about, wait, do you really think the deep state is real? Oh, are you a paranoid? Da, 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 da. Like, what do you mean by the deep state? Like, come on, like, either you get it, the girls that get it, get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, every part of my life is like that. I don't, and there's a racial aspect of this too. I'm just, I'm not trying to explain things and feel microaggressed all the time. I'm just not. Like, when I'm on, I'm on. I'm on with you, like people, for large swaths of the day. And I'm not trying to explain a goddamn thing. I just want to be understood. And if you don't understand, just don't try to check me, boo. Like, don't come for me. Don't challenge me. Let it wash over you. If you're just watching me and not understanding what I'm saying, but you're like, oh, that's that's my nice girl over there. That's my nice girlfriend. Isn't she cute when she blathers on? I'm cool with that, Damn. too. But just don't be trying to pick a fight with me all the time or ask me to explain everything all the time because I'm tired. See, Rika, can I say something? This is where Bree is not honest with you guys right now. <laughs> This is where Brie is being totally dishonest. Now, she had this opportunity, Rika, where she could have, you know, been frustrated all day. And I would be like, babe, babe. Jesus Christ. I got her favorite sci-fi movie on, babe. Babe. Wow. She didn't want that, Rika. She didn't want that. So don't don't let her try to tell you this old bullshit, okay? She could have had that life. I live by the ocean, Brie. There ain't no traffic here. Right. Good Wi Fi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> Yo. Thank you as always for your insightful comment, Rico. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for taking my call, Bree. Appreciate it. Keep the faith. Brian, let me ask you a question. Yeah, sure. Like, how does your politics, like, you know, 
what, what, like we come from similar professional backgrounds. I mean, I know you went to, mm-hmm. to Harvard. I went to BU, not in the same category, but you Jesus know, it's a, come on. It's a decent, I went to a decent law school. I know the type. I think you know the type. You know the type of Negroes that come out of these spaces. How does your politics works with the people that were socialized? like we were socialized in law school to be what I call compradors or collaborators with empire. I don't know. I wasn't thinking about it that hard back then. There were people who were clearly going into public interest law and there's something appealing. A lot of the black people, frankly, were going into public interest law and that was appealing on some level, but like I didn't date anybody in law school. Nobody was interested in me. I'm like, there zero oh, people on. were interested in me. So that wasn't a thing. Uh, it just wasn't, it just did not happen. There was a guy that I liked, uh, and he liked white girls. <laughs> he married, you know, he's married to one now. So like that, that was that. So I don't know what to tell you. Like it didn't come up. So if you're asking about later when I was like an adult and a lawyer and dating, like I would be other lawyers on the apps in DC and stuff. Like I, you know, I dated a lot of lawyers. It was New York. I dated a lot of lawyers and bankers. <laughs> and like, Nobody had politics back then. It was like the Obama era. I didn't have high, ex- like especially high expectations. I remember I went out with this one guy. I thought he was real handsome. Uh, he was from Ghana, and he was uh, he worked on Wall Street, and he dressed very well. And we went to very nice restaurants, <laughs> and he had a very nice apartment and a great record collection. And there was something that was very <laughs> appealing about how comfortable and nice smelling this life with (laughs) leather bound books he was also like you know charming and funny and he had this teasing way where he would tease me about my politics and i would tease him back about you know being the man and it was like you know there was like a thing there uh and so it never got far enough that i was like actually concerned i I mean i guess in my head i felt like i could fix this like i could fix him there's nobody's talking about He's just, you know, he's got this head down immigrant mentality. He's going to get his money on Wall Street. I can't really progress from this. Like, and we'll get, we'll, we'll figure it out down the line if it ever comes to that. But like, generally speaking, like I ended up having more long-term relationships with people who were public interest attorneys. I don't know that that's like was purposeful because I was a corporate lawyer at the time. So they, they could have easily dismissed me as not down. But I tended to, you know, my, my post law school relationships were, my ex-fiance, who was in, he, he was in finance, but he had a biochem background. He did like, pharma, he, LOL, guys, check this out. He did, he, he gave, he did pharmaceutical research for the investments of the big bank that he worked for. So, yeah, not a good professional fit there. But at the time, worked for a smaller boutique firm um, before he transferred to a bigger bank. And then after him, it was like a public defender housing attorney a teacher so you paid for a lot of dates yeah i mean like that's i you we split i they always we split wow so what happened to the dude from ghana man although the teacher uh there's a family money situation so uh you know I don't, we don't have to split actually. There's a lot of generosity there. See, I think maybe it's because I'm a little, see, here's the thing though. I'm significantly older than, than you, than you are. My, I don't want to date myself, but, um, like most of my peers, like most of my peers that 
were four or five years older than I am, and most of my friends are from my generation. I'm Generation X. I was, I'm, I'm in my 50s, something like that. So there was not even a patina of imagination about being anti the system. I was, I was in school where everybody was talking about, I want to get paid. Like all you heard around black kids in college and law, particularly law school, when I was like, yo, mm-hmm. I want to get paid. I want to get paid because we really were teenagers of the Reagan generation. And even though when I was in college, you had that slight period of kind of racial consciousness that comes out of like conscious hip hop and Afrocentrism and that stuff. It's though that was really shallow and vapid. It didn't have any kind of materialist politics. It was more cultural nationalism. There was not a real politics that existed, particularly amongst black Generation X, that existed for, for example, you know, people who came out of the Black Power era or the Civil Rights Movement. Our politics was our popular culture, which was hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which I think is problematic. But one thing I found is that as as I got out of law school and I started to embrace the kind of leftist Marxist tradition of my family. I also converted to Islam, which actually helped helped increase my kind of anti-status quo kind of politics as well, is that it became harder and harder for me to identify with those same people I know who had those same kind of really status quo pro-Obama politics. Because you got to remember, I started writing a Black Agenda report, which was like Obama was public enemy number one for us. I'm writing for them in like 2009, 2010. So all of these people who are like, I love Obama, I'm sitting out missing saying, but like, yo, this cat is public enemy number one. So Okay, I'm well, you up- were, Pascal, you were ahead of your time, and I bet you uh, made a lot of enemies with that one. <laughs> Yes. Oh, no, I made, I was getting, I made a lot of enemies, a lot of enemies for years, for years. It wasn't until the second term of Obama in the beginning of Black Lives Matter, where people were seeing that the economic turnaround where 35% of black wealth is evaporated with no recourse from Obama. And, you know, basically black kids are getting shot in the face on Facebook videos all the time by cops and Black Lives Matter kicks off. That they realized that the whole corporate Obama project was a vapid, you know, you know, basically, you know, uh, you know, Fortune 500 for working class people that people were like, yeah, I get it. It makes sense. And I, and that, experience for those same people who I tried to warn is what now gives me the credibility to say it's like, yo, you guys are getting set up again with all this woke nonsense and this reparation stuff waiting for the blowback to come. And they're like, oh, you're too cynical. Like, yeah, remember when that Obama stuff came about? I warned y'all then you didn't listen. It was too late now. See what happens. Yeah, I mean, so, look, I I... I... <laughs> Look, the, the unspoken thing here is that, like, maybe everyone's being a little too difficult. Like, I'm, I'm willing to acknowledge that. Like, it's a lot. Like, I was thinking of um, Aaliyah earlier and thinking that she just wants peace. And I can appreciate people not wanting to sign up for the energy that you and I are perhaps bringing to the situation, Pascal. And I also want peace. Like, I truly, I, I go back and forth. I don't know that I need someone to be like, I, I part of why I want us to just agree already is so that we don't have to talk about it. Like I don't want to talk about it. I want to watch Netflix and go on runs and just agree when I send you a tweet and we can just laugh about the tweet 
I want you to not be telling me, like, embarrassed about what I'm tweeting in front of your family or something. And that's about all I need. Like, I just don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Right. You, you have political proselytization with your significant other. Yeah, and people on the chat are like, find a working class. I, t- I told you, I, I tried this tack where I found a just really sweet and possibly handsome track coach and tried that little experiment out. Um, and it was like fine for what it was, but then you know, it wasn't fine. It wasn't fine anymore. Like I'm not, I'm like, I'm not, like I'm not, like I, I've dated other people like that aren't the people. I'm just talking about my like significant relationships, but yeah, I dated, I dated the track coach. I've dated, I was dating a soccer coach for a while last year. Um, you know, and it was fine. Like these things are fine for when they're fine. <laughs> I was joking. I was like, we we broke up for like other reasons, you know. We didn't stop seeing each other for other reasons, mostly because I stopped started seeing somebody else. But you know, <laughs> I did all kinds of people. Anyway, sorry. Let's get Dylan, who's in the queue. I'm so sorry, Dylan. What's on your mind? <laughs> it's okay. Hey, can you hear me? <laughs> yes, loud and clear. Okay. Yeah, I've just been patiently waiting because I was like, I'm just gonna let them talk about whatever they want to do, and I'll, and I'll just, I don't want to interrupt. Um, but yeah, I wanted to first um, about the politics in dating. To mm-hmm. me, what has worked best for me, and I'm gonna get to. I'm putting what works best in quotations because I have uh, two things I want to talk about. But what, what works has best, what's worked best for me so far is because it's very hard to find people like me politically, especially in like a rural or small city town in North Carolina, which is where I'm from. <laughs> um, even on if you're trying like online or whatever, it's still pretty hard. So what's worked best for me is just Mm -hmm. people that are politically open-minded and people that are um, willing to learn people because a lot Mm -hmm. of the people I've dated, um, some of the people I've dated, I've never like dated someone that was like, just, I've dated like one person that was kind of political, but everybody else was just like, Oh, I'm not that political, but what are your what is, what's your politics like? And I explain it to him. It's like, oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, teach me more about it. To me, so far, that's that's just so many more people out there than you know, like that than your specific ideology. <laughs> because to me, mm-hmm. you either have you either to me, it's either that or someone that's specifically like you. Because like, I mean, like. I'm like, you know, I'm a Marxist and I'm like, even if I date another Marxist, you know, the other Marxist might have some weird views that I still don't like, you know, I want, I don't, I don't really want someone that's like set in their ways already. Like I'd rather like them learn from me, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, it's so much better to do that in my opinion. Do you feel you could grow together that way? Yeah, I feel like I feel like that definitely works best. And um, yeah, I, I definitely do. I think it's and I, I just think the dating pool is a whole lot bigger with that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I am I 
I'm fully willing to accept that I am the problem. It's me. <laughs> Hashtag Taylor Swift. <laughs> However, like I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. But I need there to be, I think, a like a significant level of simpatico. I am easily irked really? in my personal life. I will, I will completely own that. Really? I am older. I am financially independent. I, I am, have friends in a community and I need you to be at least 50%. Like I want, like I'm not, I'm just, I don't, I don't want problems. You know what I mean? Like I, like I don't have the energy. And so like, I appreciate yeah. the idea of growing with someone, but I'm 37 and that ship is sailed. <laughs> Yeah, we're not so growing young. anywhere yeah. but into a hole in the ground but at the really same young. time yeah i don't know but but at the same time to me i think what matters most is that you can talk to someone about your interests even when you're political you can talk about your political interests with someone to me i think it's ideal if you talk your political interests with someone and they end up you know, oh yeah, I feel the same way already. And I, you can have that, or you can just have someone that's willing to listen and be like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. But I don't, and, yeah, mm -mm. I don't yeah. want to tell somebody more. I'm not trying to explain anything. <laughs> what I will say is I have a friend from law school who is not at all progressive in the least. He is a money guy. He's like a, he likes, economics he likes finance he comes from an affluent yeah. family in like singapore he was really good at law school he does some kind of corporate thing that i don't really understand everyone he got on everybody's nerves because he was kind of a know-it-all but i really enjoyed this guy because he was smart as a wit we sat next to each other alphabetically because of our last names and i was next to him in all these classes and we became friends because, like, as much as he would say things that I did not agree with, he was so rigorous in his critique of you and so fair. And I, he, like, challenged me in the most interesting ways. And so I would rather have someone like that. Like, I don't mind, like, people are saying I can't be with, like, a Trump voter. Da, da, da. Like, I have to hear your reasons for voting for Trump. Like, it's not probably going to go well. But I get along well with a lot of Trump voters. I'm going to romantically date you. But I, it depends on the... Do you understand that it's a top-down situation? Are you willing to question authority? Are you, or do you, like, take the status quo line a little too easily? And do your critiques or pushback of what my beliefs are have enough in internal consistency that I actually feel like I'm growing, for, on, uh, growing from this conversation? Or do I feel like I'm just having an in-real-life version of a Twitter debate I've had 15 times already without even the benefit of it, like, being public and therefore a lesson more broadly it's just me and you well i'm not even getting paid for this like what am i doing <laughs> you know what I mean? like, but if you but if you always for this. but if you always have to be right i mean you'd have to always find someone that would be somewhat beneath you intellectually no i don't you. have to be right i really? am right <laughs> well there we go, <laughs> but like, I, 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 I think guy, we see there but you this go. friend of mine he would challenge me like we haven't had it you know i haven't seen him in a couple of years but like he would challenge me in ways that made me genuinely have to back myself up and like come come back with yeah. a better argument or be better read or something. I can tell that you that is cool.
but it just doesn't really, happen I, that often. Yeah, I can tell you this. Yeah. Coming, it's coming from a place of love. It's because you have lawyer brain. You have lawyer brain. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's lawyer brain. Mm-hmm. I have lawyer brain. You have lawyer brain. Grant Greenwood has a lawyer brain. We have lawyer brain. We just want to win arguments. That's all it is. No, but it's not about winning arguments. Like, to me, it's, it's really not a competitive instinct. But, like, I just – I have thought things through. So if you're going to come at me and, like, stress me out – and you haven't even thought things through, or frankly, you just don't have that good of an analytical mind, that's fine. I'm not mad at you for not being especially analytical. People have lots of talents and skills, and I don't need you to be an analytical mastermind to date me. But don't disagree with me. I mean, <laughs> what, that's, that's insane. yourself in a way that's interesting. That's lawyer brain, Brianna. That's lawyer That's fine. That's I, lawyer. I don't care what you call it. But like, I'm, I'm not disputing the lawyer brain characterizing. I'm just, just disputing that it's about having to win. I just don't want to be bored. It's so fucking boring. You're justifying having to win. No, I, I don't want to talk about no, it. You I don't know that. My, when I broke up with my ex-fiance, mm-hmm. we had had, shortly before this stupid fight, it wasn't like related, but it was part of the whole thing. And and I, in the course of this fight, so he was Canadian, and his... his um. His, like, a friend of his and his friend's friend, both Canadian, one black Canadian, one South Asian Canadian. No, sorry. The South Asian one was American. She was newly naturalized. Okay, she had come for, I think, med school or something and naturalized. So we were having this dinner, and someone said something about greed being an American value. The word value is important. And I, like, I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm not thinking about that hard. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a value. But yeah, certainly there's a lot of greed. Like, sure, greed is good. It's in a movie. Um, and they were like, well, of course it's an American value. Americans love greed. I'm like, well, do you know what the word value means? Like, that's something prescriptive and something that we aspire to. Greed is obviously negative. People might characterize it differently. Wealth acquisition, like the American dream, those kinds of things are definitely values. But greed? That's like saying pestilence is an American value just because we have a healthcare crisis. Like, it's not a value. It's a thing that exists in America. So now we're down this pedantic road, right? And I'm like, you know what? Never mind. I could see where this was going. I've lived a long life of these fights. I said, I'm not trying to get into it with my boyfriends, my fiance's family and friends and shit. Agree to disagree. I had to have said agree to disagree not more than 56 times over the course of the next hour. Nothing I could do could make them stop wanting to have this argument with me because it was boring. I knew I was right, and I didn't care what they thought, to be honest. Jesus Christ. But, but they, wouldn't, they wouldn't drop it. And then when we got home, my ex let loose on me, screamed and hollered at me, told me I was being so inappropriate that I embarrassed him in front of his friends. I said I was the one that wanted to drop the conversation from minute two because I saw exactly where this was going. But they weren't going to stop until I conceded that greed was an American value. I said, no. I don't agree, but let's agree to disagree. And they went to that for an answer. And it's boring. Well, first of all, first of all this is why yeah. I disagree with Jason. Jason, it's not that she well, wants no, to be. No, Dylan's trying to say something. Dylan's trying to say something, guys. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm sorry. I started like some debate or something. <laughs> But no, um, okay. no, 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 okay. Um, I'll say what y'all want to say because I want to bring some else up. Go bring it up, bring it up. Let's change it. Let's change it up, please. Please. One thing that has not been brought up is dating when you have anxiety and mental illness because that was that's so. Mm. So, what I my issue is that I've always dealt with social anxiety, so 
my main my thing is that one i do not go out a whole bunch two when i do i'm not very like socially inept i guess would you say i mean i'm good now because i'm I'm medicated, but like, for example, like I had like how, how my life has gone. It's been where, you know, through my childhood and whatever I have, I was unmedicated. So I was always like, kind of like socially awkward around girls. I didn't really know how to deal with it. And I finally get medicated. And a year later, the pandemic happens. And now I'm trying to deal with the pandemic on top of anxiety. So it's kind of like having to deal with all that. But I don't know. It's just. Yeah. It's very different. I mean, dating, dating when you are not like very like going out much or not able to, you know, I mean, I don't know, not just, I mean, not just being a homebody, but like actually like having anxiety and having like, like being around people, you know, cause yeah. And I mean, not just, not just anxiety, but like mental illness in general. I mean, like I've dated other people like with mental illness and stuff. And it's just like, like, for example, I mean, mental illness is like a big reason why I've like ended relationships and it's just... I don't know. I feel like it's a topic that has not been brought up. So I don't know. Do with that what you will. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I definitely, you know, encounter a lot of anxiety and depression in the dating pool. And it's difficult because I think most people suffer to with those things to a degree. And there's there's a, an unselfish way that I think people, it raises genuine concerns of, can I take this on? Is this going to compound my own issues? You know, and and that's makes it difficult for the other person, obviously, to find partners who are also. We're all like, we're all like, oh, are we really going to take on each other's mm-hmm. mental illness? And we're all looking at each other askance <laughs> across the wall, like, who's yeah. got the who's got the bandwidth? You know, who's who's you actually going to like the better match. of this deal? Yeah, you almost have to like have like a match of it, you know. And I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, have have you guys? Has that come up? Uh, in your guys' relationships? Uh, mental illness? Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume that's really hard to date with because you're kind of uh, dealing with your own stuff. I, My brother dated, and it's not necessarily a mental illness, uh, he dated a young woman that was misdiagnosed with epilepsy. Hmm. And she used to have seizures all the time. He was really young. He was like 17, and he had moved out. And um, it was a bit of a stress for him and because she would... It was really sad. She would she would have seizures kind of at the drop of a dime, and mm. we would go out sometimes, and she would just like fall and seize, and it'd be crazy. You know? mm. And um, not everybody's equipped to handle that, to be honest with you. Not to say that you're damaged goods, uh, Dylan. It's just there's a special person out there that's that yeah. uh, that wants to uh, to want that 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 can be with you, right? Because you don't also want to deal with someone that's going to set off triggers. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Honestly, no, I, I get you. This is oh, one of those oh. things, like kids. I think where it, it's all—it's in the abstract. If you li- list a bunch of characteristics and say, "Do you have the option to like not have the person with these characteristics or to have them?" Yeah, like people are going to choose the easier path. But once you get to know people, then all of these abstractions become real, and it's a very different portrait. 
So I don't know. Do you feel like you have to be really upfront with this stuff, Dylan? Or do you just kind of like meet people and reveal it later as it becomes appropriate? Honestly, like I felt like, and I don't know if it's just like with my generation. I mean, I'm a little younger. I'm 28. But Mm. I mean, I feel like almost the entire dating pool is either a bunch of normies or people with mental illness. And, you know, and I feel like it's almost like one of those things that you have to talk about. Like, yeah, very, 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 very oh, upfront, God. very close. Yeah, there's no see, normies, though. And the normies aren't that see, interesting, but they're like hot. Well, well yeah, Brianna, see, I like to I lift. don't like normies or get along with normies <laughs> very well. So, yeah. So my dating pool usually is the mental illness crowd. And like, mm-hmm. for example, like one last thing is, but like, for example, the reasons why I've ended my relationships is either. Well, well, mainly because of the other person's mental illness and my mm-hmm. mental illness not mm-hmm. being a good match, you know, you know, and it's like, um, so that's just a whole big other thing when you when you are dating with mental illness, it's like you have to like find someone that's compatible compatible with yours. Mm-hmm. So yeah. No, that I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I I dated a woman. I talked about it a little bit on Brianna's show when I when I wasn't being serious, and uh, she had some some issues that I wasn't that aware of that ended up causing a, a really devastating breakup for for me. And um, you know, it's it's not for everybody, especially when you're not taking care of yourself with with whatever your your mental illness is. I mean, even if I'm depressed, the last thing I want to do is go out with somebody because I'm probably not going to be the best companion. Mm. And I mean like real depressive. I mean the sad cuz it's raining. You know what I mean? Mhm. No, I get you. And I've been out with I mean I've definitely realized like, oh, it's not my fault. This guy is just sad. You know, like why is he so angry? Why is he picking all these fights? Oh, it's not me. He's just depressed and then you have to decide if it's like a cyclical thing or if this is just how mm-hmm. his, his steady state and mm-hmm. make your decisions based on that also i dated this guy a couple summers ago he's the one that broke up with me after we did the first dating episode because he didn't like how i was talking about him. he's actually the pillow pube guy poor thing he was a oh, nice guy anyway it's a horrible title to have <laughs> he yeah don't don't worry about it pascal just poor he was, he these was aren't, really these aren't the droids you're looking for, Pascal. <laughs> Finish your story, Bree. We weren't obviously <laughs> compatible, but he was he was lovely for other reasons. But um, he uh, was very uh, he he had he had he had ADHD in a way that was more pronounced than anyone I had ever really dated before. Like everyone says they have ADHD these days, but he was also older, and so seeing like really seeing it manifest in a full adult context with an adult professional was really something. And I found myself thinking, mm, I don't love how it feels driving in the car with him. He's like very distracted and like, it's the same. <laughs> and like, he would cut you off a lot in conversation. And I knew it wasn't personal. He wasn't doing it to be rude. It wasn't intentional. But like, also it's like, mm, how tolerant am I going to be? Like how much, even intellectually, if I know that this isn't him being rude, like I'm still irritated by it, obviously. You know, there, you know, the, that was something that was new. It, he had trouble sleeping because of it. Uh, he had to be in like a blackout curtain situation. Is so that affected where we slept? Like he never stayed over at my house ever. Like that, you know, there were there were like weird quirks like that. 
which, you know, in the context of, of a light early relationship, it was like fine. And he was fun for a lot of other reasons. But yeah, it's stuff to consider. I definitely was thinking if this ends up being long term, like, what is this going to look like? Have you, do, you, have you, do you have an issue dating older men? Have you dated older guys? I mean, want to say he was older. He was like, I think maybe eight years older than me. He was like 42. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was maybe like 35. Do you have a limit in terms of what you would consider as older? Um, I mean, I would have said, I used to say like a 10-year gap. Honestly, now that I'm getting older, uh, 10 years older than me is like a whole other realm. (laughs) 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 Like, I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of guys in their early 30s now. Like, it's... uh, I I I like I I don't know maybe I'm Leonardo DiCaprio. There's something about proximity <laughs> and youth. You know, I have a youthful spirit. You know. You're about that, Grandma. I mean, I don't care. Like, it's it's more about like how you present and how you feel and like you know how you're moving through the world and stuff. So you like, really? So you like younger? Yeah, guys. I don't know. I don't really care. I do like I like a runner. I'm like realizing I have like a real running. Oh, oh, oh you like running? At- like I love mm-hmm. to run. So you just I always love- look for Kenyans. I think that you can build so much simpatico after having out of having a shared workout routine. Oh, you one of those negresses. You one wow. of those negresses, man. Oh, wow. Wow, a shared <laughs> workout. Do you do couples yoga? My yoga. Like working. Yeah, out. that's part of the workout routine. Let's no, no, do no, a no, nice no, yoga no. cool down. You we're don't stretch. That's doing, why you're pulling muscles. We're doing hits. We're, you don't we're, know we're, what we're love doing is. Half marathons together. Half marathons. You, look, uh, are, and you're not stretching post workout. This is horrible. No, but like in all seriousness, like the thing that predicts your kind of health, longevity, weight, and stuff in the long term is the people that you're around, and the most namely your partner, who you're sharing like eight percent of all your meals with, or whatever. So like this is you know I I you know have seen people and gotten them into stuff and I I was the, I was gotten in like a partner got me into running in the first place and I'm really grateful for that and like it was lovely to feel like the time we were spending together was like often productive and I wasn't like oh god I should be I should like I haven't done this I haven't done that I haven't worked out I haven't responded to emails like I love doing life stuff with another person Jason companionably mm-hmm. I do. I do. She does. She doesn't. She doesn't want the beauty of running up a mountain with the ocean beside you. <sighs> okay. Well, look, Dylan. It's been yeah. lovely. I was gonna. I was gonna say it's getting late, and I've probably got to go. So, Dylan. We, Dylan good good luck. So much. Good Thank luck, you, Dylan. Dylan. Look, I'm. We need to. We need to all go. I feel like I have to bring bite up. I just feel like I have to bring bite up. And then we're all going to leave. So, Biden, if you're here, I'll bring you up. If not, I'm going to play us out. Can you find Sylvester, please? I don't know where Sylvester went. You! I think we, we outlast Sylvester. God damn it. But if Biden is also, he's going to be so mad that he missed this. Biden went and I'm here. to I'm go to the bathroom. The oh, okay. <laughs> you're in the tub. Yeah, I'm taking my bubble bath. It's, it's self-care time. Okay. All right. Well, bye. Did you have any closing thoughts for us? I, 
I every time I hear one of these episodes, I think I'm just lucky. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like the the kind of problems people will be having in relationships. I'm not saying that I don't have those because I definitely have. I think it's just that, like, I've just come to accept the fact that uh, there's just a lot of, you know, part of opening yourself into a relationship is accepting whatever trauma comes with it. And not like you have to stay in it or anything like that, but being like, look, the whole, the whole game of it is very much based on vulnerability. Um, and I feel like I've come out of every relationship that I've been in better than when I went in. Uh, so I don't know. It's just like, I mean, but again, you know, like I haven't had something as traumatic as what Jen went through happened to me, which, uh, sorry for you, man. That sounds like it sucks. <laughs> that sounds fucking terrible, especially since your band was, uh, basically just defunct after that. Uh, but like, he's still out here. He's shooting the shot right now. <laughs> Running to the ocean, the wife over there is beautiful and everything. <laughs> but yeah, I, I will say, Bree, the one thing I have noticed, and I'm I'm hearing this a lot, and I'm not trying to like pick on you or anyone else, but I do. There's like the way that people talk about relationships or finding somebody so much nowadays is like they're talking about finding somebody as if that somebody is an accessory to that, you know, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. we all have this main character syndrome, like, and it's, it's funny cause we're all leftists, you know, none of us as individuals will ever really matter. There's no great man coming to save any of us. It's a, it's a collective sort of push that we have to do through, uh, you know, organizing each other, educating one of each other and relying on one of each other and fighting for uh, Star Trek instead of where we're at now. But like, the way that people even look at relationships, like the degree of which we have these qualities in our head already too, that we want our partner to have, or that's going to compliment us or, and, and some of that's like valid. Some of that's true. Some of that's like whatever, but like the craziest relationships I've been in and the most rewarding have been the ones where I didn't even know what the fuck I was looking for. And then the person I found ends up like teaching me some shit about myself, you know, like teaching mm -hmm. me something just from like, they're so, they're just on such a different wavelength than I am about so much that it kind of like starts to attune me into their waves. But yeah, go ahead. I just want to ask you this quick question to, to your point. Do you feel that people are just looking for someone to fit into their lives? Yeah, I think so. I think people aren't prepared for the idea like that love I think what's his name says it really well. Um, the guy who is like a communist, he's like a philosopher, Slavo Zizek or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But the idea of like, to some extent, to falling, falling in love, you know, to some extent, it's this involuntary disaster in so many ways. Because, you know, when you're struck by Cupid's arrow or any of this stuff, it is such a jolt from what you've been doing before that it's, it's like, oh, no, like, oh no, I'm falling into this situation that I've never wanted to, or that I wasn't looking for. I already have my schedule going. I already have my run schedule. I'm training for the marathon. It's in October. How This is all fucking up my entire vibe, but that's, a, that's like, that's part of the journey of it, right? Is, is like to sort of be able to surrender 
yourself in some ways to it without losing yourself in it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a hard balance, right? It's a difficult balance, mm-hmm. especially nowadays, especially in a dating world where everything is based on like, Ooh, you look good in this picture and I've matched with, you know, 10,000 other niggas. And it's like, you know, woo, woo, woo. I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk to you or not. Our attention is, is, is being taken by all these different people we've been matching with and all this other shit. Or if you're not matching with anybody, then you're just thinking, oh, shit, like no one wants me, blah, blah, blah. Does it, by, does it feel like this? And I ask this question to everybody listening to the show, and I'm saying this seriously. Does it ever feel like when you, if you match with someone on a dating app and you're having a conversation with them, they just like stop all of a sudden? Does it feel like, because this would never happen in the real world, if you met someone on the street and you're having a conversation with them, you're vibing, and all of a sudden they stop you and say, hey, hold on for a second. Someone's way hotter across the street. I'm going to go talk to them for a little bit. Can you just stay here while I go check yeah. out and see if something's better over there? Does that feel I, that way sometimes? I think sometimes it does, but like I've been, I've done the app things now, like my last, like, I don't know, like five or at least four relationships have been through an app and they've all been pretty serious. Uh, I think what you'd start realizing is there could be 5 billion different reasons why someone stops talking to you. And part of that, understanding of like, well, it's not always about me or something I did or something I said or something like sometimes it's just that person. And that's, you can't sit here and think about the psychology or the what all the shit that's going into some person making whatever decisions that they're making, especially when it could be as easy as like someone just fucking forgot, you know, someone Mm -hmm. or someone found someone and they didn't know how to tell people that like, hey, I I've been talking to a couple of people right now, and I, I'm really going to pursue this one. Um, yeah, that's fine. So many... I've, I've gone on a date, and a guy, it was a good date, and he was like, hey, I'm so sorry, but I was, I've been on, like, five dates with this other person. We just decided to make it exclusive. And I haven't taken that personally at all, like, because I've been on the yeah. opposite side of that. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just the nature of the thing. But I don't think that's inherent. Like, I don't think that's intrinsic to dating apps. I mean, yeah. you, I there's more yeah. volume on a dating app, so maybe it's more likely to happen because they're dating more people. I don't know. I, I hear this being brought up by men a lot as an issue, and I guess it's because I understand that the apps disadvantage you. There's fewer matches overall, so you you tend to linger more on the ones that don't manifest into something. I, I get that, but like it just wasn't like it wasn't meant to it wasn't meant to be. I, I still yeah. can't believe that people actually use dating apps to find relationships. I don't do the dating apps. I don't know. I mean it. I don't understand why you would expect to find a healthy relationship on a computer app. It's the most. Well, why not? Sometimes you're just a squirrel trying to get a nut. But why? <laughs> Wait, but I'm sorry, Pascal. Why wouldn't you? Why? Why would you be more likely to meet someone meaningful at a bar or at a library than on an app? Because a dating app. Who the hell is at the library in 2020? Assessment of your identity that you present. Well, when you meet someone spontaneously, they don't have the opportunity to contrive anything. It's just a photo, Pascal. Have you been on an app before? I've never used a dating app in my life. Okay, come on, Pascal. <laughs> like, then uh, you're having some big opinions for someone who's never even opened a dating app I mean, before. I, I opened a Tinder account for like five seconds. I was like, I don't, I don't, I, I, I can't present my personality on this thing. How do I? Okay, well, that's a different, that's a different issue. I do think that the the apps privilege 
looks and first impressions that are based on pure aesthetics as opposed to personality and charisma, all other things that can come through in intangibles. But that's not the same thing as saying that it's not perfectly the same people at the bar or work or wherever you're meeting people are the same people on the apps. Everybody yeah, is on the app. Everybody you need someone. You 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 sense their personality. Like personality is very important to me. Right. I need to sense what kind of what your personality is. I'm not going to get that from an app. Oh, okay, then don't use the app. But everyone else is on the app because they understand that they don't want to wait around to go on one date a year because they bumped into someone in Sweet Green and they got asked out. Because I'll tell you what, if I waited to meet people in real life to go out, I would never have had a boyfriend since 2009. No, I'm not saying that people, I, I don't have the right to tell people what they can and can't do. I'm, I'm not saying don't, do, I can't tell people not to use apps. I just don't. I'm admitting to you, I don't understand how people expect this to work. It does. It, it confuses me because I don't understand where the person. Like, when do you get to, to taste the person's personality? When does it- when you go when you meet up, Pascal? When you go on a date? <laughs> you don't live your whole life on the app. You don't just text each other for three years and call it a relationship. You 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 connect on an app. You superficially decide I, you're attracted to each other. And there are a couple I of think, things that are interesting. I and think you go and you meet for a drink. I think you're being a little a little kind of harsh in the sense that you know you can you can say the wrong thing in a response to to someone like hey how are you and they're like I don't want to hear hey how are you it's like well what would I say if I saw you okay in the street? dear Mint I oh, yo yeah. I don't want I don't want to hear hey how are you on the street either. <laughs> So yeah, what do you like want me to say? You want me to say how I really feel? Is that what you want? Because you've been ignoring no, that too, Brianna. I, like, oh my God. This is, I, I think that people, I think the apps are good. And the guys that are successful on the apps realize that they should say something. But here's, I guess it's just free advice hour. Mm-hmm. Say something specific about a person's profile that shows that you actually read it and you're not spamming with a bunch of, hey, how are you's good mornings. Because everyone's getting a thousand of those, and you don't know me. How is everybody about- getting a thousand? I don't know what the fuck you're getting. Wait, I'm telling you this. Yeah. You're welcome. It sounds like you're a popular motherfucker. Maybe I, you I'm need telling to, you this. Too popular for words. Generously, then, women yeah. are matching frequently and are getting um. They have. If you're using an app like Bumble, where it's like a 24 hours to respond, it's so toxic and stressful. Because you have you basically wake up in the morning and it's like. 24 hours to go through, hey, 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 how are you? Good morning. How's your day? How's your day? How's your day? And I tell you, it's exhausting because none of these people care about your day. They don't know you. And that's not really what's going to get you any closer to realizing whether you want to go on a date with them or not. And, Me personally, mm-hmm. I, I told you guys earlier in this call, I don't know if you guys were on yet, what uh-huh. I want to hear. I want to say, hi, I'm so excited that we matched. I think you're beautiful and we have a lot in common. Are you free this week to go for a coffee or a drink or dinner? That's it. I don't care if that's the first message. Literally, yes. Literally, yes. Let's get off the app. Compliment, plan of action. Let's do this. Compliment, plan of action. You have, like, you on the apps have, like, the opposite problem of a lot of people. Like, men and Uh women generally, and this is a little bit for you too, Pascal. Like, one, first of all, Pascal, I totally get you that, like, your personality, it's harder to make your personality come through on the apps. And the apps, I mean, let's be clear, what you're doing when you make a profile is basically writing copy for yourself and mm-hmm. putting out an advertisement for yourself, mm-hmm. right? If you meet in person, if you meet authentically, then you get a better sense of how that person actually lives and looks and vibes in real life. And on the app, it's harder to do that. 
uh, free, you, a lot of women have the opposite problem. They get so many matches uh, that it's hard for them to filter through those matches. Yeah, they, they, it's hard to filter through, hey, good morning, hi, good morning, hi. Right, right, it's very right. easy to pick out the one who actually has an intention to make it real. Right, right. And so, like, I, the way I was getting a lot more success on the apps is, like, you know, I think I'm cute and shit, but it's not like <laughs> there's a lot of cute motherfuckers out here, right, mm-hmm. in Chicago. So mm-hmm. I'm not the only cute boy out here doing his thing. So it's like mm-hmm. I just started making my profile as much of, like, my personality as I could. So if you look me up on any of the apps, if you find me, I think my whole profile was, like, based on, you know, they ask you some kind of prompt and I'd say, oh, you know, like, what's your favorite meal? Oh, I like to have Chinese food and then smoke a little bit of crystal meth. <laughs> I, would, awesome. I would just do that. I would, I, I would loop that through as, like, the joke in my profile. So every time after I, I match with someone, too, the first thing they're always talking about is, oh, the profile. So, you know, like, they get a sense of, like, I'm not, you know, I'm, a, I'm serious, but I'm not, like, a super serious guy. Like, I can joke around. I can have fun. I can, I can chill. And that's that helped me get a lot more success. But even that being said, you know, it's like, what do you say to someone who is, you know, like chronically single is a guy who doesn't like, who's shy to begin with and doesn't really like the fact that he has put himself out there on the app to begin with. And now he's has this public profile of him, like talking about how much he likes to smoke crystal meth or whatever. Right. (laughs) It's like a, it's a little bit of a risk for people to take and, I don't know. I do think that people, the, the way that we look at people, even in these apps, is so much as like a, a again, an accessory to ourselves. Yes, and, that's know? very true. I mean, I made my profile as ridiculous as whenever I hit on Brianna. My profile has a picture of Clarence Thomas and Pee Wee Herman, and it says, oh. this can be us. Okay, I'm going to be really honest, not that ABB cares or specifically asking would Brianna Dre Gray date them. But if, when I see stuff that is, like, too unserious, there's a fine line between I can be self-effacing and light. Mm-hmm. And I am not taking this dating at all seriously. And I'm going to be the kind of guy in a relationship who misses a, you know, misses a date, shows up late, doesn't show up for you, and is like, oh, man, why are you being so heavy? Like, why are you taking this so seriously? Like, lighten up. And it's like wanting to gaslight you about not being a decent person in the context of the relationship. So, like, I think that I know that guys aren't always doing this intentionally and that doesn't necessarily manifest in how they're going to be, but I see it as a red flag when guys are too flippant on the app. I see it as a red flag when people are too arrogant on the app, so there you go. Looks like we are are just red flagging ourselves. Okay, I don't know what arrogant on the app means. I'm just trying to be honest about the fact that women, women are a lot, like many of them, not all, uh-huh. wanting to settle down, find parents for their children, like uh-huh. be in a relationship with someone who's going to be there for them. And like right. when you do something on the profile that could be interpreted in so many ways, you're basically saying, I'm going to take the risk that my lo- the love of my life doesn't get this P.B. Herman joke and, mm-hmm. and doesn't swipe on me. And like if, if I'm looking for the love. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, I, I see it the opposite way. I see it. You're filtering. The person who's going to be the love of my life is going Thank to be this uh, Okay, religion. okay, that's perfectly fine. And, and that's, that's perfectly fine, that's but you need to I mean, know. But, but, I, I see a lot of guys who do know, things that like, I got to be honest with you. It's just, it's cutting their chances down dramatically. I, I think you're missing the point. You're no, not, that's you're, fine. You're not the if, one. if you're happy with the number of hits that you're getting, then you, we don't 
spice for me, so it's yeah, fine. You're doing well. No, but you're you're, but you're I, missing Dude's point, though. He's you're not listening to what he said. He no, said, I think I am listening to what he said actually, and I just disagree with it, and that's fine. Right. But you got to be right. Can I make a point of inquiry? Can I make a point of inquiry, if possible? As someone who's not familiar with this space, I would like you guys to give me instruction because maybe it might be better if I tried this. Does do the apps allow you to like tell people about yourself? Like, what do you like? What are you into? Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it and Bree as a woman? I I, want to defer to your opinion. Is it good? Say, I think you, you get a sense of what my politics are. Would you consider it a good thing to share my politics and worldview on a dating app? Or that would be something like, no, that's a little too heavy, Pascal. You wouldn't want to do that. Uh, I think that it's good to share. I would maybe do it in like a a lightish way. You know, like left-leaning. We'll love to talk about, you know, know, I have a podcast called Revolutionary, you know, like like something that gives it. I wouldn't necessarily be like, if you don't love Franz Fanon, get the fuck out. I mean, there are guys, there are a lot of guys who are like, if you don't like X, Y, and Z, then you're not for me. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of that. Yeah. And if you don't get your toenails painted, there's a lot of that. Oof. <laughs> um, so I would say, say it in a positive way, not a negative way. You yeah. know, I like this versus, I, or I am like this versus I don't like this. But yeah, I think it's nice to give a clue, especially if that's something that's important to you in a relationship. Are this spa- in these spaces... Are there people that respond to those types of profiles? Sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that was another prompt in my profile was like, I don't know, it's like describe your perfect Sunday afternoon. And I was like, uh, I don't know, like taking a walk on a beach, watching a movie, and then seizing the means of production to build communism. And (laughs) a lot of people like that. And a lot of people, you know, and it's... I do think Bree's right. There's like a balance, right? You don't want to seem like either so unserious that like it's flipping. But like you're like, going to disrespect the relationship. Like you're going to disrespect me. Right. right. But like I think. Like you don't projection. take this seriously at all. a lot all. of projection. It's worked pretty well for me, you know? Like, yeah, I think that that's a nice balance that you found by it. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I dated a guy. Like so, I I'll see a borderline profile, and I don't like me. My my personal attitude is I want to be expansive. Like I don't want to accidentally reject someone who could be the love of my life because I think that they maybe have made a mistake reading their room. So I will I will caution toward swiping right on them, but then I'll ask them about like, hey, what's with this picture? What's with this? And like to try to get a sense if I've read it the right way or. And like I should have actually swiped them left, or if I read it wrong and they're actually not what I presumed from whatever joke they made or whatever. And so right. one guy, you know, dated him for a long time. He had all these nice pictures, good politics, things that I liked. And then his last picture was this like new, like he was a photographer, and it was like an art, artfully done, but like this kind of nude where it cut off right before the pelvis. <laughs> But, like, I felt like it was too suggestive. Like, I understand that it's, like, art photography and that it's not just, like, hey, look at me in a bathroom mirror, see me naked. But, like, it was borderline. So when we matched. Did he have, like, a a funny look on his face or was it? No, it was a pretty photo. It was, like, a pretty black and white photo that was, like, artful. But it was, like, "Mm." like, are you the kind of guy who's going to be too sexual too early because this is a very forward photograph? So I was like, I test, I like, we matched and I was like, mm, 
we talked a little bit and then I was, on our first date actually I was like I don't know about that photo like what's the deal what was the decision making like after we'd been at dinner for like a few hours it was going well and he was like yeah like well my friend told me it was good and I was like oh, well are you actually a creep yeah. no okay and then we yeah. dated for a long time you know sounds like his friend is like mm, yeah show me that photo dog I mean, also, man, I'm like, yo, man. You should, I, I think you should, Pascal. I really do. Like, like, give it. Yeah. It definitely has a lot of drawbacks. There's definitely a business incentive for them to like just keep you swiping on the app and keep you there. Like, all of that stuff is true, right? But like, and it's also very hard to to get like a proper sense of who somebody is. And I've had some like bad dates because of that, for sure. But at the same time, it's like. You know, I've met some really wonderful people. Uh, I've, I've. It would be tough for me to say that overall I haven't grown from my experiences dating on these apps. I just think though that like, it is tough out here. It's tough, and and I feel like there's something. There's like a wider psychological, like mass hypnosis phenomenon that's going on that's making people very, very like scared to, I guess put themselves out there and then also like I don't know like like not like settle I'm not saying like settle or anything like that but like to divorce maybe whatever the expectations are from the experience and to kind of you know like I kind of I kind of look at it like tripping sometimes right like if you're having a bad trip or something like that I don't know who who's super into psychedelics here but sometimes if you're having like a bad trip you gotta like surrender into the trip. You got to let it go. You got to go with it and let it just take you and trust, trust the journey. And then it moves you around and all kinds of shit. And then you'll find yourself back out and you'll see, you'll see the world a little differently. So there's like an element of almost like surrendering to the trip that I think people aren't really like. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think the younger generation, like there's a whole other conversation to be had about how Gen Z's I think are, they they're in a different world in terms of their expectations of talking to people. They can't talk to people on the yeah, phone. Well, they're uh, every TikTok's about all the anxiety that they get when they try to call Domino's. Like there's a, oh I think that as much as millennials got a lot of made fun made of us for like being the hookup generation and not having real relationships. I think it's only gotten more extreme and the, mm-hmm. and the acceptance of different kinds of relationships with Polly and, and all of that has made a lot of people feel like they're not necessarily entitled. Like they, if they want a traditional relationship, it's like they're like asking for too much. I've had conversations with younger people where they're like, I like this guy, but like, you know, we're not dating. I was like, well, do you want to date? Do you want to be your boyfriend? And it's like, well, no, like that would be like cringe. I'm like, well, That's well, you're allowed to want it. He doesn't have to want it yeah. back with you, but you're allowed to want it. And like, you're not even making the ask. Like, you're not even asking because you don't right. feel like you're entitled to ask someone who you're sleeping with right. <laughs> if they want to be in a relationship. So you basically tell me that the way the technology is working, young people are just hooking up, having sex with no expectation of any kind of anything. I don't know. Not all, well, the hashtag not all young people, obviously, but like it's definitely a thing. Yeah, It's even worse than millennials. I mean, I've, I've had a I don't know how much you give. Let's just say that there's a lot of first dates that get very physical very quickly uh, from these apps. But wow. I, I'll say that, like, yeah, I'll say this, <laughs> like, the, the 
element of, you know, the young person you're talking to, Bree, who said that would be cringe. I think there needs to be like a recognition of like, look, if you're talking about someone that you could potentially spend the rest of your life with, you're taking this huge risk to to find this level of like compassion and joy and, and, and like existence with this person in this way that's so like, I don't know, like vulnerable and um, it's a lifelong sort of like potential commitment. You're literally intertwining your life with someone else. It's one of the most important things that you could ever do and one of the like potentially highest highs that you could ever have on this earth before we all, you know, return to the earth or whatever. Like if you're, if that's what you want, you have to be willing to be a little cringe or to be a little like not cool or to be a little whatever to get there. You have to be willing to take a little bit of a risk. Mm. And that idea of like, I don't even want to come off as like, I'm embarrassing because I have feelings for somebody. That's like, you're denying yourself the fullness of your own existence by doing that. Like you have to like, it's, and it's hard to tell Gen Zers in particular because like, they are so, their whole life is being on an app. And not just like romantically, like everything that they fucking do is monitored. They've been an advertisement for their whole fucking lives. They don't make the same mistakes that we did because like they have to be so anxious about not making that mistake to begin with. And if they make a mistake, then it's on their permanent record, like an actual permanent record, not the one that like them bullshit teachers used to like fucking pretend was there and never was there. But like, so they're constantly living in this state of they can't take that chance. Like I've done so much stupid shit, stupid shit. That's like, I shouldn't even like, I've gotten away with some shit and just some of the stupidity I've been able to like do. But like, it's those moments of taking those chances and putting myself out on a limb and being cringe and being embarrassing that are why I'm here. I mean, girl, I was so like, I was such a fucking like, nerd who did not realize that like I was like hot or like worthwhile or like I could be attracted to people or whatever in college I remember I'm a, I'm a full ass college student and there's this girl that I wanted to ask out and she was just in the same we we're both in the like minority association for future attorneys and all this shit and I just remember I wanted to ask her out and one day I'm just looking at her in the hallway trying to build up the courage to to ask her out and I go up to her and I'm like, oh, hi. And then I just, I literally ran home. Like, I, I live <laughs> a mile and a half away. And I'm like, I'm like 19 and I run, I, I run home. Like, what, what am I doing? What, the, what, what, what's going on? But like, I don't know. Like, you gotta like, I don't know. I, I feel like I had to have those experiences to grow. So if people aren't even willing to be like a little, like they don't even want to ask the question. They don't even want to put themselves out there. That's going to be a problem. Yeah, and, and Pascal, like, honestly, the beautiful thing about the apps is that unlike in real life, when you don't know if someone is single, you don't know if they're attracted to you, you don't know what their interest level is, if they're looking for a relationship, if they're attracted to someone of your gender, on the apps, all of that part is figured out for you because you wouldn't even be allowed to talk to each other if you didn't already match, you know? Like, you wouldn't even be in the situation right. unless you had matched on each other's photographs. What's the, be- and so I, What's so- the best app for, like, people of our politics? And that doesn't exist, but you yeah. should get on Hinge and OkCupid. It would be my recommendation. Yeah. Hinge, OkCupid, maybe some coffee meets bagel. Those are the 
Those are the ones I've had the most. You, you, have to, you should pay for those, right? They're not free, right? No, they're free. They're free? You can pay for additional features on apps usually, like OkCupid. You can increase your ability to search for things. Like It won't let you search by like race, I think, and some other religion categories unless you pay. And you some get to do, see yeah. if you pay. Sorry? I said some of them do. They let you uh, they let you search by race without paying, but you're right. A couple of them. In order to be fully racist, you have to pay. <laughs> I mean, you can call it what you want. So, but, like, <laughs> searching for black guys to find my ex fiance. That's funny. Yeah, that's true. They don't, yeah, they charge. They, they do charge. So, yeah. Oh, they don't charge. But you don't have to actually pay. So I hope, you don't have to pay. I hope, Pascal, that you consider it. Because I don't know how on earth people... Like are just sitting around for years waiting for a date. Like I don't, I don't even understand how that cannot be just completely demoralizing if you're wanting to meet people. Um, me when I'm single, mm-hmm. I I stay booked because <laughs> you can, like you just can. Because there's, to me, it's like having all the options on the app doesn't make me treat people frivolously. It just makes me book more dates. I just book them. Yeah, pack them in three a day if necessary. Oh, wow, Jesus. <laughs> just book them. Have a, and and like just get through them, meet people in real life, and get a sense of like where there's chemistry and where there's not. But like, I would rather spend an hour over coffee with someone than to spend three hours over the course of three weeks texting, "Hey, hi, good morning, hi, how was your day, hi, what movie did you watch on Netflix this weekend, hi, hi, yeah, hi." I'll ask you a personal hi. question. Uh huh. Are you interested in a traditional institution like marriage, family, kids? Uh, I would like to be married. I don't know about that other stuff. You don't have kids? Mm. Not especially. Wow. Is that always been the case? You just reached the conclusion that you don't want to have kids? Uh, I'm not pressed enough about it to settle and spend a life with someone who is going to stick me with childcare responsibilities uh, and not be there for me in the ways that no man has as of yet fully been there for me. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm not pressed enough to put myself in that position just because of children, which I don't want that bad. That's a very simple so. way to look at it, like having children. I'm, I'm saying under the optimum circumstance. Okay, if it's cynical, how about you get an episiotomy and we'll talk about it. No, I'm talking about under the optimum <laughs> circumstances that you get someone who wants to marry you. Well, there's not optimal circumstances. I'm 37, so that, that bird flew. There's not optimal circumstances, and I'm not going to date and change my dating behavior and stick around for the you know because because I have my eggs are at their end of their life, I'm not gonna force myself into a situation or be frantic and settling for people who I will not have a good life with and I ordinarily wouldn't have chosen. I'm not asking just because kids because of kids that I'm very ambivalent. No, I'm not ask I'm not assuming that you should do that. What I'm saying is that hypothetically, if the man that you really were in love with that you enjoyed that you saw you could build a future with. Have, that you you really wanted to be with this man, and he was dedicated to you. Would you enjoy having a family? Is what I'm saying. Maybe, but I'm not with that person, so it's a kind of a moot point. Okay. You know, like I don't know that per. I haven't met that person, so it's kind of a moot point. Okay, but but what I'm what I'm telling you is I'm not so child motivated that I am like in pursuit of that. I'm like, I'm like, I, I guess under ideal conditions, I could be open to it, but ideal conditions have not presented themselves. So I'm not like sweating it. Like if it happened, it happened. Would I like to buy a townhouse in the West Village if someone dropped $20 million on my lap? 
Yeah. But like, I don't know what the point is of really thinking about it that hard because I'm not going to get $20 million and buy a brownstone in the West Village. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> you never know. Very, you never know. I'll be very, very transparent. I feel that it's sad that the condition of dating for people, particularly for a nice young lady like yourself, is so bad in this country that the sheer notion of being asked, are you interested in eventually having kids and getting married? is like almost kind of like repellent, you know, because it's so... It's, like, it's not repellent. Well, it, it's... What? It's not repellent. The idea of having kids isn't repellent. The idea of not having paid family leave is repellent. The idea of not having health care is repellent. The idea of not having child care is repellent. The idea of being the bread breadwinner in all likelihood, as I have been in every relationship that I've ever had, and in all likelihood having to take on child care responsibilities is repellent. The idea of my... uh uh um, what do you call it? Um, when you're that thing that people have to get vaginal mesh for because the bottom of their like abdomen falls out, prolapsed, a prolapsed uterus Ooh. is repellent. Ooh. The idea of peeing every time that I sneeze for the rest of my life is repellent. The idea of having cracked and bleeding nipples because I'm breastfeeding for a year is repellent. <laughs> the idea of not being able to do my work because I'm obliged to do this thing is repellent. Like, People are sitting around acting like this thing is a cakewalk. If men had babies, we'd be extinct. Like, like my mom was. My mom loved being a mother, but she was also very honest about all of the things. And she says, "You, you know, you shouldn't go into this." Not to mention, like, people get sick. You either can end up being a single parent because of some tragedy that happens to you. You can have a kid that has a health issue, that has a developmental issue, that makes the normal stresses of child rearing very difficult. And when I've brought these concerns up to a husband, a potential spouse, and have said, like, are you really in it for any kind of parenting that happens? Are you really willing to be there in the trenches with me with a special needs child? Are you really willing to understand what it takes to deal with a teenager that might have drug addiction or these other kinds of issues? Are you really prepared for this? Or do you just have this Oshkosh bagosh version of parenthood? And, and then they say things to me like, oh, well, it won't be a problem for us. Our kid is going to be perfect. I'm like, fuck no. You're not realistic. You're obviously telling me that you're not actually up for the challenge. And I'm not interested in having a child with you. But Brie, that's like that. I get all of that. I get Jesus all of that. Jesus Christ, like, woman, my God. Point, yeah. At a certain point. I know. Just running everybody point, off. Though, <laughs> it's like, okay. Oh, you okay. Cannot, you, cannot, you cannot account for every single thing that could potentially go wrong. It's not about accounting for. It's not I saying mean, I don't I mean, want to have. It's about being able to say I fully recognize that this could be not what we expect. And I still want to go through that challenge with you. I got you. But I but want someone who has considered that, that not yeah, someone who's living yeah, in La La yeah, Land who's then going to, in some likelihood, abandon me when things get tough the way that so many women end up abandoned in their relationships. Sorry about the past. That, that is the, what past? That this doesn't happen to me. No, I know. In, in fact, I had somebody, a beautiful relationship modeled by me, by my parents, by people who were literally we're not very talking about to them. each other and loving. We're, and that is why my standards are high. I'm sorry. We're not I saw talking about like, them. I saw what it was like for two people to really parent together and to have each other's back and to go through some stuff together. And like, I, yeah, I'm sorry. There's like, nothing wrong I'm with so having high standards. I applaud you for having high standards. I was just asking if, assuming that someone of your standards was was introduced to you, would you indulge in the process? But I, I, I. The, Yes. And if that happens, that's great. But like I, what I'm saying, I have friends that are freezing their eggs. I have friends that are frantically trying to settle down with whomever. And I respect those kinds of choices. But I don't even want 
Like, I'm in a place right now where I could pay for egg freezing. And I don't really want, I don't feel like it. Like, I don't want kids badly enough to even go through the mild inconvenience of having to inject myself with, it's not mild inconvenience, frankly, it's a significant inconvenience. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But of having to yeah. inject myself with hormones for months and get acne and gain weight, like that's, I'm like, I don't, I, I respect my friends who have done that because they really want to have kids no matter what. But that's not, that's just not who I am. That's not where I am. Now, if I met, so like if I were in a situation where tomorrow I woke up and there was someone who was the love of my life and all of those things and they wanted to have kids, yeah, that's a different conversation. I have felt the desire to have kids with people who I was deeply in love with in the past. But like that's very context dependent. I don't abstractly want kids. I, I, don't, I don't want them in, in a vacuum. I want them under very specific conditions. Okay, I I, now that I understand because I am 54 years old. I've never had any children. I don't have, I don't have any children because I've never been married. I would not have children if I was not married. I just, and I, similar to you, I'm at a stage where I'm very ambivalent about having children. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I would not want to have them unless it was with the right person that I would feel I would want to have them with. I get that. But the, the response that I get from you, assume, I don't assume all the negatives of having children and a wife as the motivation for me not doing it. I just don't do it because I haven't found the woman that I would want to do it with. But I get a, I'm not well, assuming, I assuming negatives. negatives though, Pascal. She was just talking about like, is this a real nigga or not? Like, is he really down to the cause <laughs> whenever shit goes down? Like, if when shit hits a fan, are you still a fan? And I can get that. But like right. part of the idea, part part of that idea though, Bree, like I totally get that, and I I accept like if people have not been able to get that with you, then that's on them. But you know, part of like I think what I'm discovering is that like I can't stop someone from like even if we have a loving relationship, we have a kid or we have whatever, like I can't stop someone from leaving me if they choose to leave me at some point. Mm-hmm. of me just having that kid like these are things that someone could come and say you know everyone who gets married they say till death do us part and you know we got a 50 percent divorce rate it's mm-hmm. like this shit happens people can be at one place at one time and they're not ready whenever shit actually hits the fan and that's just, and, and i'm sorry like the burden disproportionately falls on women i'm not trying to of be course it does no, an it ass does. but it, like unquestionably and, and i'm sorry i just think that men like really like i could die I could die from having this child. I have yeah. a friend from 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 college yeah. whose wife died in childbirth, and we were still all relatively young, and it was horrifying to the community. But like people forget, you could full on die. And like, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry. Is anybody asking you to die for this thing like that doesn't exist yet? And I'm like doing fine without like. And again, I completely understand if you have a really strong desire for children. A lot of people do, and that's wonderful, and that's a good risk benefit assessment for them. But if my if my desire is like I'm really at a threshold level, then I need some more reassurances because I'm not one of those people who's like I have friends who are like I'd rather be I'd be a single mom no matter what I just know that I want to be a mom period respect I, that's a point of view that I respect and those people should freeze their eggs or do whatever they need to do to make sure that they enjoy the experience of parenthood that is just not one of my bucket list items in that now when I'm deeply in love. And I'm thinking about our little combo gene situation running around, and I'm thinking about, oh, he's mm-hmm. going to be such a wonderful parent, and look at the da 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 da. Then I start to think about those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But like, a bunch of little LeVar Burtons running around. 
But like then, you know, then there's some follow up, you know, and it's like, well, what is our life going to look like? Is it going to be hard? Are we living in New York City where we can't ever afford an apartment that's big enough for the three of us or the four of us? Am I going to be worried about spending all my free time worried about fucking private schools or whether or not I can move into a district that has a halfway decent public school? And if that means now that I have to come up with 20 million dollars to afford this brownstone in the West Village. And that that sounds like, honestly, that sounds like it's shitty. I worked at a law firm where I watched, and it was a pretty like good time in terms of like time management law firm, as opposed to big law. But I would watch all of these women attorneys that were a few years older than me try to rush out of the office at 8 p.m. so they could maybe see the kid that they were paying a nanny to look at after all day before they went to sleep. And I would ask myself, like, what is the point of this? Yo, capitalism has fucked up life. God damn. Yes. Yeah. That nigga's still yes. in the tub, though. That's what's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that nigga's been in the tub the whole time. Listen, it is just bad to play. I am a, I am a, I am a 100% bath bitch. Like, I'm a bath bitch, and I don't, this is what I do. Every night, it's tub time. Just splish, splash, yo, high yellow ass in the tub. <laughs> So look, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not cynical at all about love. I just want to be clear. I'm not cynical at all about love. I really love the idea of being mar- married. I love the idea of committing to, uh, to a person and and sharing one story and like knowing that you have someone to have your back forever. I think that life is hard as it is. Um, and I have lived long enough to realize that you shouldn't walk into things with a kind of optimism that borders on delusion <laughs> there's a difference between hoping for the best and just believing that everything's going to work out without con- creating contingencies and being emotionally steeled for worse outcomes right and all i want to know is that if shit goes down like you said bide someone's gonna be there in the trenches with me and it's like not like oh my god I had no idea it could be like this oh I you know they told me that sleep training was hard they told me that the toddlers were hard but I didn't believe them if if some goofiness like that ever comes out of my partner's mouth I swear to God because I will have told him <laughs> I will have explained to him in painful detail don't you dare talk about not being attracted to me you told me to have this baby I don't want to hear a goddamn word about my stretch marks my flabby stomach hanging over my grandma draws. I don't want to hear a thing about my cracked nipples. I don't want to hear a thing about any of it. Because you, I don't want to hear about how my nose got bigger. I don't want to hear about it. Because I warned mm-hmm. you and I said, we didn't have to do this. And you said, no, 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 let's do this. You know what I mean? Like, let's just all go in clear-eyed. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know about the nose getting bigger. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's 100% a thing. Your it's teeth can fall out because babies suck the calcium out of your bones. Oh, no. that's a bit that's kind of not that's a little rare jason you have two children i have four i have four Four and a half oh you have four children i'm not telling you anything that you don't know dude no oh they have all have their teeth okay jason has four does does the mother have her bones (laughs) are are her bones still there their bones are all fine no one's vagina fell out jason has four beautiful healthy children they're all using all their body parts with their new men. Okay. Also, like, I love my mom. We have a great relationship. But sometimes I'm like, I'm an asshole. I don't care about, like, I don't, I'm not, like, if I'm, like, a kind of a best case scenario child situation and I'm kind of like, am I worth it? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Like, I don't know, man. I, I'm just saying, like, there are also there are so many kids in the world that need love and support and care. Like, I'm not pressed about having biological children. Would you I'm buy one like, like Brad, like Brad and Angelina? Would you buy one? I would adopt a child. I would probably I could probably find someone with my own family to adopt. Okay, to be that's honest. fair. Okay, see, the, okay, just family and children. <laughs> yeah, why well, you keep trying to make her a family, mom? No, dude. I'm not. I'm saying family <laughs> and children don't necessarily mean giving birth to your own. You would consider adopting a child. Yes, absolutely. Okay, that's cool. I'm just down with that. That's all right. Especially when I was with my Chinese American ex, whom you know I, I was very in love with, uh, and people fetishized the idea of us having kids so much that I we used to joke that like we are just going to adopt black and Chinese kids and irritate everybody by not having a biracial child. That'd be kind of funny. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah. Anyway, we got to go because some of us have to go and do rising in the morning. But you guys have all been great. Thank you so much for joining in, uh, Jason and Pascal. This is it's been a real treat for us here to have some guests. Thank you for yelling at us, Brian. Seriously, man. <laughs> it's my pleasure. It's what I do to what did you say? Drive them all away. Uh, run them off. Run, <laughs> run them off. off. Say right. Say it right. <laughs> run them off. All right. Well, see some of you tomorrow morning. Um, on rising and i will see you all oh you guys are gonna love thursday's episode especially jonathan k you're gonna be so thrilled who's the guest you're gonna be thrilled that's all i'll say you're gonna be so thrilled it's a response to the richard wolf episode and you're gonna be so thrilled jonathan k all right take care of yourselves and keep the faith